You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I am joined by Cam Berry and Brooks Childress for the full three hours, as we have a lot to tell you about on this Friday. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls today, which we expect several on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you'd like to give us a call today, 334 337-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. There is news all over the state of Alabama with its college football programs. Since you last heard from us yesterday with Auburn football, there has been a couple of coaching staff decisions to Auburn coaches uh, that have left or resigned, and we will tell you about their replacements, their potential replacements, as there have been two Auburn football coaching decisions announced to join or rejoin the staff. So we'll tell you about those in just a couple of moments. Of course, Alabama continues to make news as they were true on their 72-hour timeline. They did it in about 48 hours. They have a new head football coach, and it is Kalen DeBoer out of Washington. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And again, we know we have a lot of calls to field on these Auburn coaching rumors and on these Auburn coaching decisions as rumors have become kind of facts in a lot of in, in some cases at least. Uh, and then we will also talk a little bit about some Auster, Auburn football roster decisions. There was a big time transfer last night before any of this went down. There was a literally big transfer for Auburn last night out of Mississippi State. And there's also a decision made by an Auburn running back today to return to school. That's a lot of news. We will have to digest it all in this three-hour edition of the show. If we have time for other things, we will have Auburn basketball to look forward to as Auburn takes on LSU tomorrow inside Neville Arena. The Tigers have a grand opportunity to continue to move up the rankings with an impressive showing on Saturday as other teams around them lose in the top 25. And, oh, yeah, by the way, an NFL head coach was hired today by the New England Patriots, and there are seven openings, including the Atlanta Falcons, which, of course, you can hear all season long and throughout uh, throughout time here on Tiger 95.9 as we are the home of the Atlanta Falcons. So there's decisions there, decisions all across the NFL. And, oh, by the way, I'm still not done. They do play football in the National Football League this weekend as there are going to be Six playoff matchups between tomorrow and Monday night. So there is a ton to get to here on this Friday edition of the show. Again, Ryan, Brooks, and Cam with you here for the full three hours. Gentlemen, it might be done on the gridiron for college football in 2023 and 24. However, 
It is never truly done off the field, and we have learned that very well here with Auburn and Alabama in the last 24 hours. But, gentlemen, I hope you are having a great Friday. Yes, having a fantastic Friday. Uh, it's a little rainy, but, hey, you know, rain rain never hurt anybody, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, so much developing. I mean, just over these past, like, 48 hours since – uh, since we, you know, were live on the show and talking about Saban retiring and uh, Auburn, you know, losing a couple of what seemed like uh, beloved coaches, just kind of uh, leaving the program, uh, unspecified reasons as to why yet. Um, but you know, good to keep uh, Coach McGriff. I think that's a good, good uh, retainment, honestly, to to keep him and not, you know, let him go to Texas A and M and have him be coaching, uh, coaching the DB. So that'll be. Uh, definitely something good to good to hear some good news after you know kind of seemed like a slew of bad news uh, and sad news losing two uh, previous Auburn uh, Auburn players so you never want to um, deal with that too much but yeah so that's some good stuff and then uh, I mean the the news of Kalen DeBoer uh, getting uh, becoming Alabama's new head coach so it, it has been an absolute whirlwind I'm doing great though uh, and hope you gentlemen are doing good as well. Brooke Childers, how are you on this Friday? I am doing great. It is a, a wonderful Friday. Uh, can't wait to get into all of this. It's just it nothing stops. It never never stops. You you think you're on to basketball season, and then college football is like, nope. Here you go. Here's more more stuff to talk about, which is great. I love college football. Uh, I, I just wish that uh, we could continue to play it as long as we talked about it. Uh, that would be phenomenal. Uh, but getting set for a big weekend, uh, as you mentioned, Ryan Auburn basketball back at home this weekend, Auburn women's basketball back at home this weekend as they play the defending national champions and the LSU Tigers, both the men's and women's playing LSU at home this weekend. Um, gymnastics has their first home meet. Uh, we talked to Jeff Grabe yesterday on the show. If you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to that on the Sports Call podcast as they get set to take on a top 10 Kentucky team at home tonight. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of stuff happening. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to, uh, what are, you know, thoughts on all the coaching changes here in, in just a bit. But I know everybody was waiting to see what the Patriots were going to do. You'd have to wait long. They, they got their guy pretty quickly uh, with hiring the linebackers coach, Gerard Mayo. I'm excited. Um, I'm cautious but excited about it. Um, and so I can't wait to see what, what goes with my, uh, my Patriots near going forward. Yeah, again, there is a lot, to news, a lot of news to get to. The good news is the show will go on, and if there's something we don't end up getting to today, we'll get to it on Monday and <coughs> the day after that and the day after that. But uh, there is certainly a lot to get to on this Friday, so let's get going and let's start with Auburn's coaching staff changes. Of course, many of you have heard because the news started to trickle late last night that Carnell Cadillac Williams – uh, was resigning from his position as Auburn running back coach. Uh, and so that was a shock to many. And then we'll go ahead and tell you about this morning, Zach Etheridge, defensive back coach, taking the same role uh, to leave to go to Houston. And so obviously there are a lot of rumors and speculation on the boards about all these decisions. Uh, clearly, with the case of Zach Etheridge, there is another professional opportunity for him. Uh, again, it is a, a move to a, another power school, although not his alma mater, but uh, a similar role there. I think he hoping to uh, do something a little bit different in terms of fit, but also trying to advance his career at some point. Uh, and then as far as Cadillac Williams, that is a resignation, and him in his statement citing that uh, he needs to focus – uh, on his on his wife and kids, and uh, again, there will be some speculation into that part of it. 
Uh, but it does appear that is far more of a personal decision than a football decision. And so those two moves happened and uh, late last night and then early this morning. Auburn has already announced a couple moves of its own. So they announced earlier today that officially Charles Kelly uh, has been hired by Auburn University to be the co-defensive coordinator, uh, also to be a big-time recruiter. That is something that we all kind of talked about in the acknowledgement of him coming to Auburn, that that was something that he does best. Uh, he has coached def- defenses before, uh, and he's obviously been in the secondary, but uh, that he is known to be uh, one of the best defensive recruiters out there. And this is at a time where, of course, Auburn is trying to flip uh, a lot of its defensive back room after losing several to the professional ranks this season. There's going to be a lot of turnover in that room in the next year or two. So uh, Charles Kelly brought in there. That was announced. And then also about 10 or 15 minutes ago, this is something that I had heard uh, was a possibility. Uh, but Wesley McGriff is not headed to College Station. He will stay in Auburn, and he will continue to coach in that defensive backfield. Uh, that's being reported now uh, by a couple of the different beat guys. And so Wesley McGriff is staying on staff at Auburn. So you've got some sort of combination in the secondary <coughs> there at uh, with Charles Kelly and with Wesley McGriff. Uh, Auburn continues to employ McGriff. Again, this is, I think, his third different stint at Auburn. And so, again, there's still great familiarity there. There's familiarity with Hugh Freeze and, and Wesley McGriff together. And, again, McGriff will stay on staff after all and remain at Auburn. So that's what we know. We know that there is still a search. Uh, again, Charles Kelly was named co-defensive coordinator. I had, did not see that tag be given to Wesley McGriff. So co-insinuates someone else is helping you do that. So there is still – Probably another hire or move to be made there on the defensive side of the ball. And, of course, with the resignation of Cadillac Williams, there is still the need for a running back coach and a quarterback coach. Again, we know Hugh Freeze will be calling plays in 2024, but someone will be given some sort of offensive coordinator or co-offensive coordinator designation. And, again, in need of a quarterback's coach and running back's coach, We I do have my opinions on whose those will be, but we'll get to that a little bit later. We'll start again with what we do know, which is, again, Zach Etheridge and Cadillac Williams are out. And on the defensive side of the ball, Charles Kelly and Wesley McGriff are in. Guys, your thoughts on this kind of whirlwind in the coaching staff over these last 24 hours? Auburn fans can't enjoy the uh, the fact that Nick Saban is gone for long, could they? They, they had to start worrying about stuff that was in happening with the coaching staff once again. Um, you know, you look at it, uh, you know, I'll start with uh, the most recent news, which was Wes McGriff uh, either staying at Auburn or coming back to Auburn, um, whatever it, it, it turned out to be. Um, I, I, I like it. I think that, you know, he was a guy, you know, he, he stepped off the field earlier this season um, and didn't, you know, didn't step away from the team, but stepped to an off-field role. So I think Hugh Freeze uh, wanted to, you know, really wanted to keep him on. He was a guy that brought, you know, he brought him back, uh, a guy that knows the defense side of the ball, knows Auburn defense as well. Um, and so I, I think that that is a, a good, uh, good move to keep him, keep more continuity on that defensive side of the things, especially when you're losing a guy like Zach Etheridge, who was uh, key in recruiting a lot of these defensive guys that you just signed. Uh, you you've got another guy that was you know uh, rec- uh, uh, a guy that was key in recruiting them too. And if you lost both of them, 
and we're bringing in a new defensive coordinator. You you may start to you know you may start to worry about leaking some of those uh, recruits here after the spring <coughs> if, if they're not happy with the new uh, new staff. But getting a guy like Wes McGriff to either stay or come back, uh, I think is really good for for the recruits there. To it's it's still a familiar face, a guy that you saw in your living rooms uh, recruiting you, and uh, you you came here uh, part of for part of the reason because of him. So I think that's good. Charles Kelly uh, officially getting that announcement. I know that it was reported what almost two weeks ago now, right at right before the uh, the Music City Bowl uh, that he was coming in. Great recruitment. Uh, I think we kind of, you know, we, we talked about it on the show. I think we kind of knew that he was at least going to be on as some sort of co-defensive coordinator or somewhere uh, before the Ron Roberts move earlier this week. But it is a, it, I think it's a good move. Um, you know, you, you, I know a lot of people are going to look at that, uh, what he did at Colorado this year. Uh, TP has said it yesterday on the show. You look at his defenses uh, over the years, he's been good. It, it's been a, he's got a very good track record, very good track record recruiting. He knows the area. He's been at uh, Ufala. He's been at Central Phoenix City. He was at Jacksonville State. He knows this area, uh, which really, really, and of course he was at Alabama. So he knows the recruiting this, uh, this side of, or this part of the country, uh, which, is, which is a big plus. Um, the two moves, uh, the two departures. Then uh, Zach Etheridge. Uh, again, it, it's tough to lose a guy like that. Tough to lose an, uh, a guy that's uh, an Auburn uh, former Auburn player that was here. You know, it, he, he was pivotal in getting some of these big recruits to come here. Uh, very recently, uh, going uh, I believe going back to Houston. He was at Houston before he came to Auburn, correct? Uh, yes. And so going back to Houston, um, you know, it, it's going to be a you know, it, so you're you're gonna it, it's going to be a hole to fill there on the recruiting side of things. But I think again, Wesley McGriff keeping him is going to really help with that. And then Cadillac, you know, it, it's it's tough. That one's that one's I think is the toughest uh, because of what he meant to the team last year. Uh, and, and what he's meant to Auburn football these last couple years. Um, it's not every day you get uh, – you, there's T-shirts out there for an assistant coach and for a, a, a running backs coach, you know. It, it's it, it's just it, – it, he was a, a big-time part of this Auburn program uh, from, you know, from when he was playing all the way through now. And so it, it's going to be, uh, you know, whatever it is that – you know, you mentioned the, the statements that he's stepping away to focus on his family and kids. Uh, whatever it is, you know, you, you wish him the best of luck. Hopefully we see him on a sideline soon. Hopefully – though it's not another SEC school that he's at. Uh, but hopefully we see him on the sidelines again very, very soon. Cam, your thoughts on the coaching changes here? Oh, well, Brooks did a really good job of summing that up, you know. He did. Fantastic, fantastic work, Brooks. Um, yeah, I mean, the hiring of Charles Kelly officially being made, uh, that's a good one. Again, an elite recruiter uh, has been all over the southeast and, and, and knows the area well. So we'll be able to uh, get you some very uh, some high quality defensive recruits. I think that's absolutely necessary, especially when it comes to Auburn uh, and how they like to maintain having those elite defensive guys. Um, the retainment of McGriff, again, a, a great guy to have around and, and again, to hold on to. Uh, you know, after you initially thought that you were going to lose him, a good replacement for uh, having, having lost Zach Etheridge, uh, you know, um, and like you, like Brooks said, you know, it's tough losing Auburn, Auburn guys, guys that played at Auburn, guys that, uh, you know, know Auburn very well, can speak to the university as well as the current staff, uh, you know, in terms of just, I mean, they lived it. They lived being Auburn players. So the, that's that's an invaluable um asset that they that they had in all honesty um 
So losing Etheridge and losing Cadillac, that those are those are tough, tough losses uh, when it when it comes to things like that. So, um, you know, I obviously wish them all the best. And, and, you know, Etheridge already has the job at Houston. So, I mean, he's he's you know, he's already moved on like he's ready. So uh, curious to see what happens with Cadillac after these things. But uh, it's certainly interesting. And, and so the running backs coach at, uh, you know, whoever ends up replacing him. Um, be, certainly be on the lookout for that. It'll it'll definitely be interesting um, as to as to who Hugh Freeze has interest in bringing in to replace Cadillac. Because again, that's I mean, who better than to recruit for an Auburn running back or to to become an Auburn running back than a previous Auburn running back? So it's 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 going to be interesting to see uh, you know how you can really do that because Cadillac was such a beloved guy, and um, you know, like Brooks also said, you know. That that time that he he meant uh, last at the end of last season is something that was so invaluable. I think you said that as well, Ryan. It's just um, you know he he really helped the program a lot. Uh, so so losing him definitely hurts. Uh, he's definitely going to be missed. But uh, you know times change, staffs change, and and it it seems like there's a time to move on. Let's go ahead and grab a phone call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Up first today on this Friday, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. You know, a lot has changed since I've talked to you guys uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, so much is going on in the college world. I guess it's that time of year when coaches move around. But, you know, I, I tell you, I did not expect to hear Cadillac and Zach Etheridge uh we're leaving, pursuing other opportunities. I mean, uh, good God, I, I wouldn't. Uh, what, what in the world is going on? Yeah, with Zach, he's going back to Houston, and that's definitely more of a professional uh, deal, right there. Uh, with, with Cadillac, you NFL, NFL team, you mean? No, no, with Houston Cougars, Big Twelve. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, he coached there before Auburn, and is now going back there. Uh, with uh, with Cadillac, that was a resignation uh, that was that seemed of the much more personal variety. So there's, it, it's tough to speculate on stuff like that, but uh, that that did not seem to be a, a a football decision there. Anthony, you still there? Amy? Yeah, uh, yeah, we got you. Oh, okay. I, I was wondering. I was like, good God. I mean, I've been hearing things. I heard that Cadillac uh, was, might go to uh, Alabama to uh, be a running back coach or or the NFL to be a running back coach. They had some jobs offers and whatever, and he wanted to ease on out of here. And then I heard somebody say that uh, he wasn't wanted on the staff because of different uh, offensive philosophies or whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that this is not necessarily football-related. And, again, I can't uh, – I, I don't know the full story, but but I've heard, heard some things that are – Less than endearing, and we'll we'll leave him at that. Well, yeah, that's true. That's the best way to do it. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I sat down and talked with him at the barbershop from time to time. He seemed like a real first-class person. And you mentioned the energy and excitement that uh, at the end of Harson's year, those last four or five games when he came in and took over, I mean, nobody had even seen that kind of excitement around here in a while. It just electrified everybody that that kind of excitement that would explode like that uh, by him uh, having the kind of attitude he had and, and Fans loved him, and, and you know, just being a good old Auburn guy and whatnot. And, and I mean, good God, I mean, that was some real excitement for real. Sure, yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is regrettable uh, how this is 
uh, pretty quickly come to an end there. But you're right about last year, and Cadillac was exactly what Auburn needed at that moment. I mean, it was been program was in about as low as a place as it's been, uh, and and even though they did not start winning a bunch of games, just the the one conference game they did get, and just being more competitive those last few games, just uh, again truly reinvigorated the Auburn fan base. As far as Etheridge, uh, is he taking a coordinator's job or he just a regular position coach? It's it's my understanding. It's still the same position. It's still DB coach. Suppose you think that's a step down the the lead of South Houston Conference and then go to whatever Houston was in Conference USA at one point. I don't know what the end now. They're in the Big Twelve. They're in the Big Twelve. Oh, they're but, back in the Big Twelve. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do think it's a uh, it's at best lateral. I mean, obviously it's the same position, different power conference, but obviously not the school that Auburn is. Uh, again, he had worked there before. That one probably is more of a, a philosophical difference there. I do okay. think Hugh Freeze has worked with uh, Wesley McGriff more and is more comfortable with him. I don't know if you heard, but McGriff is coming back to Auburn after all. What? I thought he went to A&M. <laughs> well, so so did we for a month, but he just got uh, – they just uh, started reporting that he is coming back to Auburn now. You, you mean say this guy went to A&M and got started, now turn around and come back? Yeah, so, again, it's up for debate if he actually l- truly left, if this is more – again, I know the reports. I know the reports said that he were leaving, but we don't know in the in the last three weeks if he really worked for A&M or if he was kind of in limbo or exactly the whole situation. It's a, fu- it's a very fuzzy situation, but uh, whatever it – yeah, whatever it was, it's resulted in him coming back to Auburn. I thought A&M had held a press conference and made an official statement on his hire. Did, did, I, mean, I thought they did. I know. I mean, I know they announced on their social media. I, I don't know. I don't know about the press release part. So again, if they did a social media, they probably did a press release. But uh, again, they did. They, they did not announce some sort of binding contract. I think that's the deal here. Is he did not okay. whatever he had agreed to. It was not and binding. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I hope that uh, if he coming back now, I hope he don't be a couple months down the road, turn around, and start singing that same song again later on because he he can't keep doing that. Sure, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't uh, put one foot in, one foot out, and uh, and all, all that. But again, I again, there's definitely some interesting things that went on the last month here, uh, and oh, I, I, I don't know exactly how they all tie together, but certainly with Etheridge out, uh, that opened back the opportunity for McGriff, who clearly wanted that opportunity. Well, I tell you what, uh, what I really want to talk about. I heard that Alabama had hired a head coach, and that coach from uh. Washington, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's a report. Hey, you guys heard anything official? Yes. Or people just talking? Uh, again, so I don't think Alabama has announced it to my knowledge, but but the most legitimate reporters in the industry are the ones that are reporting that it is a done deal. They have come to some kind of agreement, right? Yes, yes. I tell you, I really, really, really thought they would have went out to Dabo, really would have broken their back and turned over backwards, really to go ahead and bring Dabo in. And, you know, with him being a former player, on the Stallings, winning the national championship there, and then going on to Clemson as, as a head man and winning two national titles. I think that would been maybe the best hire at this time, you know, to bring him in since he's already won those national championships and been exposed to somewhat kind of like that kind of pressure than to bring in somebody that ain't won a national championship like that. Uh, got to come in here. I looked at his profile a while ago before I called y'all because I want to be correct on what I was talking about. Sure. He spent all his time out there in South Dakota, North Dakota, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, NIA ball, even though he did win a championship there, that's NIA ball, and uh, that Division three and two type stuff, fooling around with that or whatnot. 
and uh, everywhere he's coached has been on that side of the country and, and don't have any coaching experience or ties in the South as far as recruiting and dealing with people in the South, I think all they did was a, a baseless hire somebody a little bit better than, than Brian Harson. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's probably going to be a hard work on the recruiting trail and this and that. It might do things a little bit different than Harson did, but sure. I think at the end of the day you just probably hire something or somewhat a little just a step or two better than Brian Harson, and I don't think that's going to be good for the program bringing a guy from uh, that side, that far west, over here in the south like that and don't have no ties with none of these high schools or none of these coaches or uh, no connections like that. I mean, I think that's just a disaster. Well, yeah, look, uh, first on Dabo, look, I, I think some of this is about timing, and I think if this were three years ago, I think Dabo might have been the move. But I think that the last couple of years at Clemson, uh, where he has just been so resistant to the portal and to some of this NIL stuff, I think that that probably projects poorly for the future, and I think that's what they're probably concerned about. Uh, still, though, you know, when we're looking at Kalen DeBoer here of Washington, I agree with you that, look, this is going to be a referendum on how much does fit matter because I think that the guy can coach the pure game of football. Like, I think that if you're able to do it at a small level, you're able to go up to Washington, who's not exactly a history-laden program. It's got some history, but certainly elevated Washington pretty quickly. I think it means that he's a good, pure football coach. However, we know, as you just alluded to, that you can be a pretty good football coach, but in this league, in this part of the world, where it is so cutthroat for recruiting and for resource and, and an arms race and all that, uh, it, it takes a mesh of everything. You have to be kind of good at everything to, to excel in the SEC. And and I, I do worry about, not that he won't understand the challenge, I think he will understand the challenge, but just that he is going to be a little behind the eight ball because he does not have those connections, because he's not had to do it here before. And look, even if you're recruiting sixth, seventh, eighth in the country, like that's pretty good. You, you beat 120 schools. However, Alabama's used to first and second and first and second and all that sort of stuff. So when you become sixth or eighth, even though that might look like a good class, that's going to rank third, fourth fifth in the SEC and then you're going to get into problems where all right now you're maybe not the most talented team in the room and look Alabama will always recruit itself to a degree but uh, and again that's why I don't think it's going to be some like 15th or anything like that I think they're going to hang around the, the top seven or eight there even if DeBoer's not amazing at recruiting but again it's very cutthroat and, and so it will it will be difficult for him to a achieve these really 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 high expectations post Nick Saban and then b uh, to again go to a place that he's just not never ever worked in this type of environment before. I'm sure he's going to bring probably maybe half his staff or maybe the whole staff. I, I, I'd be almost certain that some of those guys going to come over this way. And I wonder. Uh, I mean, I didn't check and see who was all on the staff, but I was wondering what kind of ties they got to this area. If you guys know anything about any assistants he might have on staff that might have any coaching ties in this area or whatnot, or uh, yeah. So I mean, again, the, the, their guys. Uh, honestly, they're guys that I'm not too familiar with. I know their uh, OC is a guy named Ryan Grubb. Uh, I'm not familiar with what tie he would have. I think he came from Fresno State, which was the previous place that uh, DeBoer had worked. Uh, I'm reading some stuff about Eastern Michigan. He was at Sioux Falls, too. Uh, so he's kind of been around DeBoer, uh, DeBoer with uh, him, again, at those Fresno and Sioux Falls stops. So there's not – much experience out uh, in this part of the world again uh, with him. And, and I would think for the world that, yes, DeBoer 
uh, would need to bring some of his guys. But, again, with, with the lack of experience uh, in the SEC country, I would really – I would really want him, if I were an Alabama fan, to to bring somebody at, in a prominent position that has the the wealth of SEC experience. You know, I, I wonder now with the board of trustees or the people that are making decisions in Alabama. Well, well I wonder they're going to handpick any assistance for him there, since because y'all were telling me pretty much uh, all his assistance he's got are pretty much the same boat he's in uh, that part of the, of the country. So I wonder if they're going to go ahead and handpick and force some assistance on him or make some suggestions or whatnot. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, look, I, I, it's possible. I would encourage Alabama, based off the sins of some Auburn administration in the past, to probably not mandate certain uh, certain coaches. I'm not saying it can't ever work, but I mean, a coach does have to be comfortable with who he's working with. So you do need a mix of guys. But I, I, I would again with, with him not having experience here at all. Again, the closest place to to Tuscaloosa he ever worked was Indiana. Again, that is not close. Uh, with with the with the coordinator uh, again, same deal. I, I would I would want probably at least one of those coordinators to be well entrenched in the SEC. One other thing I want to mention. I know y'all got other callers. It was then brought to my attention that Saban's going to keep an office there somewhere in a, in a complex and and be in some role, but nobody's identified what that role would be yet. But play some role in the athletic department or whatnot. I mean, does that sound like? Uh, Somebody stand there to kind of look over your shoulder and, and see what you're doing and micromanage, or, or what do you guys may think? I mean, I think that it's Nick Saban, and you allow him the opportunity to do what he wants there. I, I, again, I think that I think he said that in the Reese uh, Davis interview that he's going to have an office in Bryant Denny. Uh, and, and look, I think that uh, look, he could probably the board. The, the, Basically, who they hired, I think he could probably use some guidance on what it takes uh, in this league and at that school. So, uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I, I think that you, I think Nick Saban has a, a lot that he can teach to just about any coach out there, and obviously he's rehabbed some coaches' careers. So, I personally think that's probably pretty smart. And I know Nick loves the game of football. That was clear from listening to him speak. So, I, I, I think that will be a plus for Alabama. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm not excited about this hire. I would have rather had Dabo, but that didn't uh, pan out. So we'll see what this guy does. But I mean, you know, now there's a possibility that we're gonna start looking at eight and fours and nine and threes and some seven and fives and independent bowls and and things that you don't really want to be dealing with, uh, like they have done. But I almost believe it. That's where we're probably gonna be headed. I, you know, when you talk about coming in after the probably the greatest coach of all time or definitely this 21st century uh and coming in i mean that's gonna be a that's a big transition and that's a lot of pressure and uh who knows what may happen because uh, i'm certain to believe that uh, a lot of talented recruits that were probably gonna sign maybe uh what's what was left over to, to be signed in february probably gonna change the minds and uh, we'll see how they spring practice goes. And I'm almost certain that portal open up again that some more people will probably go ahead and leave. So, But we'll see. But, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, Anthony. Appreciate that phone call. That is Anthony Collin from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our first timeout of this Friday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Sports Call continues after this.
Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Cam Barry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program as we continue to go through uh, our great bank of phone callers. And, uh, again, we've got a full line, so we're going to go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401, or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show... Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you today? Hey, I'm I'm doing well, guys. Uh, thank you for asking. I hope all is well. Yes, sir. Uh, with you guys too. Uh, hey, I heard Anthony's call, uh, and you know uh, the board. I I don't necessarily have a problem with him. Um, you know, if that's the case, him being the next head coach. Uh, but I think Anthony asked a question about some of the assistants. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I read or I, I saw it one or the other that the offensive coordinator, that Grubb or whatever his name was, right? Uh, that Nick Saban's first offer for OC last year uh, was to Grubb at Washington uh, to to become Alabama's offensive coordinator, and he turned it down. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think there's some connection there with. With uh, undoubtedly, if Saban was offering him the position, uh, and from what I understand, he was the first person that uh, Saban called was was the guy from Washington. So Saban must be impressed with something about him. Sure, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, from an offensive standpoint, he comes with the board. Uh, I tell you though, the one thing that uh, you know, if you look at that offense, uh, Washington ran. Uh, you know, that's, to me, Milrow, I'm not quite sure that style of offense fits Milrow. Um, you know, I mean, uh, Pennick threw it all over the football field. And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe another year of uh, maturing and all, Milrow could do that. Uh, you know, but Milrow wasn't a real – uh, most of Penix stuff was was you know in the, he, he was more of a pocket passer. Now he ran the ball and they I, they would roll him outside some I guess, but uh, I think Penix and uh, and Milrose two different styles of quarterback. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know how that that pans out. And then uh, the other part of that is uh, some of those freshmen that um, recruits that enrolled in January or. Yeah, that just started class on Wednesday or whatever. Like the the five star quarterback from California, uh, you know, where where does he, you know, does he stay at, at Alabama now or, or or what? You know, so uh, I I would think uh, he was rated like the, in the top three or four as a drop back passer in the country. Um, so uh, I'm assuming he would probably stay if if actually DeBoer is the head coach, but. Uh, you know, I think uh, DeBoer can do fine. I, 
uh, I guess the key will be how much uh, uh, backlash you have from uh, players in, entering the portal and, and leaving Alabama. Um, you know, as to how competitive they, they, they'll be next year, I, I still think they, you know, they're a top ten team uh, for sure. Um, but you know, you just don't know how new coaching staff and everything gels. Uh, my my interesting. The interesting thing that I'm looking at with DeBoer, uh, other than uh, OC coming with him, is who he hires for an for a defensive coordinator. That to me is going to be a key. Uh, you got to you got to get somebody that uh, that knows something about SEC, and in my opinion, and in, in the South when it comes to defense. But anyway, guys, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I don't know if Anthony's still listening. Uh, but I do know that about the offensive coordinator. So uh, just uh, thankful that uh, the weather hadn't been bad today and, uh, you know, everybody's been able to relax a little bit and be, you know, and continue to be safe out there as well. Absolutely. But thank you guys for uh, for taking my call, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Keith. We appreciate that phone call. That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, a couple of notes from, uh, from Keith's call there. Yeah, the co-defensive coordinator's, at Washington, they had two, again, same kind of situation with William Inge and Chuck Morrell there where they do not have any experience in the southeast. Morrell was a guy that, again, worked at Fresno, Montana Tech, and Sioux Falls. Uh, so, again, that was kind of the uh, lifeblood there. And then William Inge, the assistant head coach, and another, another co-defensive coordinator uh, was with Fresno, Indiana, uh, Buffalo Bills for a little while, and, and some other stops that were not uh, in the southeast. So, Again, that staff is not uh, experienced in this part of the country, but again, uh, as uh, Keith points out there with the offensive coordinator there, Ryan Grubb, he was uh, someone that Saban certainly uh, valued, and so that uh, that part of it interesting for sure. Uh, let's get to another phone call, 334-887-3401, locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 Next up, James from Montgomery. James is with us today. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that everybody's been talking about uh, Nick Saban's retirement. And I think, you know, who's going to be the new head coach at the University of Alabama? Yeah, it's going to be Kalen DeBoer of Washington. This is being announced here in the in the last hour or so and reported, and uh, the reports are now official that he told his team he's leaving. So it's Kalen DeBoer, the Washington head coach. Yeah, because I think uh, DeBoer, I think he's going to – I really think that he's going to fit – the job description, uh, the job criteria, excuse me, the job criteria at Alabama. And I think that, you know, now it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a very hard time for Alabama fans to, you know, get their minds straight and, and see a great coach that's coming from Washington and, and actually changing from Washington to Alabama. So I think he's going to do really good this year as well, but I'm just going to see how he's going to do um, when he comes to the SEC this year in 2024. Yeah, of course, it will be very fascinating to follow. Obviously, incredibly relevant to Auburn as it is their biggest rival, and uh, be very interested to see how DeBoer does at Alabama. And again, there will be varying opinions of that. He has won a lot of football games and the stops that he's had, but again, we will keep coming back to and, and wondering about the fit just because of his lack of experience in the SEC. Yes, because when he do come to Alabama, do you think uh, Coach DeBoer will, will he actually take 
Alabama to another national championship in 2024, if that is true or not. I mean, I'm going to just say um, if that's going to be a true statement, just to leave it out there on the table as well. Yeah, I, I I would not expect that in year one. I still think there'll be a lot of talent there, and the opportunity to be really good will still exist. I don't think that they're going to have some sort of huge reset. But, again, and, and look, if you're Alabama, I mean, they expect to be in the national championship conversation or win it just about every year. So, uh, you know, for his sake, he will probably want to be in that playoff and, and winning a game or two at least in the playoffs. But, uh, I, I, again, I would not ex- I would not favor them to win the national championship next year, but I think they'll still be really good. Yeah, because I think when the schedule comes out this fall, I'm going to be looking at all the universities and seeing how their schedule is going to look. Um, with Alabama, I've looked at their schedule. Their schedule is looking kind of subpar, but I think their first three games, I think they're going to be wins, and then the next uh, couple of games down the line, it could be a maybe. It could be yes. It could be no. I don't know for sure. I can't. I'm not an Alabama fan. I'm more of an Auburn fan, so I don't know what the what the what the future might hold for Alabama as well at this point. Yeah, of course, a lot of people will be circling Alabama's first SEC game next year, as it is against Georgia in Tuscaloosa. They do play at Wisconsin a couple weeks prior, uh, and I know other notable. SEC games include at Tennessee, at LSU, at Oklahoma, and, of course, the Iron Bowl. Yes, that's well. And then with that retirement, um, you know, I've been hearing about Bill Belichick's retirement, and I know he's a great coach for uh, New England, and I'm just going to see how the New England Patriots are going to actually look into who's going to be the new head coach for that for that uh, winning Super Bowl team as well. So I'm just going to see – who who that who that head coach is going to be as well? Well, James, they have already hired him. It's uh, it's going to be the linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, who's already been on staff with Bill Belichick, who's going to be the new head coach. Okay, so I think um, I, I think y'all are really going to look good this year um, for for uh, the remaining of the I mean for the season as well because I think with with the um, you know with with the Super Bowl right around the corner, I'll, I'll probably see. Um, you know, a new, improved uh, New England Patriots team and uh, seeing who they're going to pick for the first round of the 2024 draft this coming up April as well. Yeah, all eyes are on that pick for the Patriots. Yes, as well, because I know it's going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of, um, it's going to be kind of easy. I'm not going to say it's going to be kind of hard, but it's going to be kind of easy to actually, you know, flip the page from Bill Belichick and winning so many Super Bowls under his belt and, I'll probably see, you know, the the next uh, Super Bowl come to uh, New England real soon for you all. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, We'll see. I know Brooks would absolutely love that, but, of course, there is a rebuild that will have to happen there. Yes, as well, because I know with a lot of of NFL news that's going to be covering, that I'm going to be covering all this week and all next week because I know it's going to be a big weekend this weekend on Saturday and Sunday with the uh, playoffs. So I'm just going to see how these teams are actually going to do and um, who, who's actually going to step up into that uh, wild card division as well. Yeah, uh, again, six playoff games between Saturday and Monday. Certainly looking forward to them. There's going to be some really good matchups starting tomorrow and a very exciting time of year for the National Football League. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually going to be looking at the first 
week of uh, Auburn gymnastics tonight and uh, seeing if we're going to win uh, at home. I know it's a sold-out crowd, so it's going to be very, very loud and um, very historic uh, seeing Auburn go up against uh, Kentucky. And um, I know this is going to be uh, Jeff Grable's uh, first time ever having a, a sellout crowd at, um, at Neville Arena. So I think this is going to be their first time ever. So I know they're going to be uh, traveling to Las Vegas, Nevada sometime real soon. And I'm going to be watching this uh, the this new improved uh, gymnastics team as well. And I'm going to be rooting on our Tigers to win uh, this big game, uh, this big meet tonight as well. Yeah, it is a big meet tonight as Kentucky is a highly ranked team. And uh, they actually already went out to Las Vegas. That was their opening meet last weekend. So they got four of their next five competitions are inside of Neville Arena. Yeah, so I'm just gonna uh, see how the uh, next uh, four game, uh, the four meets are, are actually gonna be looking really good. So I'm just gonna uh, see if they're gonna actually uh, win something for me this year, and uh, maybe I'll get to see them uh, real soon as well. Yeah, that will be very exciting. Yeah, and then with the Auburn men's and women's basketball, I know we play LSU, so that's gonna be. Um, I, I think. I think that's going to be a really good game for uh, the men's uh, basketball team. I, I saw them last night playing a really good game against, uh, I think we played against Texas A&M, if I'm correct. Yeah, a couple nights ago against Texas A&M, yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually looking at them very hard and uh, seeing how they're going to look when uh, March Madness actually comes in. So I'm just going to see uh, who I'm going to put on my bracket this year when it comes to March Madness. So i got a lot. I got a lot of um, I got a lot of doubt coming um, coming a lot from uh, Auburn as well, so it's going to be very tough for these for these uh, for these guys to actually take a win uh, tomorrow against LSU and uh, seeing the Lady Tigers actually playing against LSU and um, see if they can see if somebody can actually stop Angel Reese because I I did see their game last night against South Carolina, so I think. Angel Reese needs to be stopped. So uh, I'm just going to see who they're going to put to actually stop Angel Reese as well. That will be a very uh, difficult task as, of course, LSU is uh, is very good. Auburn women basketball losing to Ole Miss last night in a tough one and a close one in Oxford. So we'll see uh, if they can rebound on Sunday. Well, James, we're about out of time for this hour. So any final thoughts for us before we have to let you go? Um, the only final thoughts I actually have is I would like to see my Dallas Cowboys actually win the playoff uh, round and actually make it to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, we will see. They are the two seed in the NFC. There's high expectations there. They start with Green Bay this weekend. And, again, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to make a deep run into the playoffs. But it will be fun to watch. Yes, as well. And then uh, next week I'll probably take that all-star uh, trivia um, probably on Tuesday as well. All right, all-star trivia on Tuesday. We will, we will do that. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are out of time for this quick-moving hour number one. When we come back to start hour number two, Russell from Auburn will be with us. We also have retired Ward MC waiting. Of course, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Busy day here on the show as Auburn's had a couple coaching changes and Alabama has made their decision on the next head football coach there. We continue on with this Friday edition of Sports Call after this timeout on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call is running right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. And speaking of phone calls, we're going to keep them rolling here on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one plate 9 tiger 9 Next up, Russell from Auburn. Russell is with us. Russell, how are you today, man? I'm good, y'all. How are you? Doing very well. Well, I've been on hold for a minute, so a lot of time to think about what I'm going to say here, I guess. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, tired of hearing about Alabama already. Just tired of it. I'm going to say one thing. All Auburn fans need to be worried about, or not worried about, is Nick Saban is not going to be in people's living rooms anymore recruiting for Alabama, okay? So that's victory number one. Victory number two is... As soon as they're not top three in recruiting one year or, and or lose more than two games, all the Alabama fans in the world are going to be wringing their hands. So that's victory number two. But that's, all, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I'm worried about is Nick Saban is not going to be recruiting. And as soon as Kalen DeBoer is not top three in recruiting because he has no ties in the South and loses more than two games, they're going to be crying. They're going to be whining. They're not going to be sleeping at night. So, Victory, victory, victory. Move that needle towards Auburn. That's all I'm going to say, okay? Stop talking about Alabama, guys. I know Anthony and Keith are Alabama fans. I don't care. I'm worried about Auburn. So let me ask you guys a question. Where y'all at on offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? Who you got? Right. So, again, with the uh, obviously they made the news with the co-defensive coordinator with Charles Kelly. So I think they're going to be looking for uh, somebody else that uh, complements that. Uh, it is not going to be Wesley McGriff, although he is going to be back now on the staff. Uh, with defensive backs. So, again, that still goes through some of the other names that we've been talking about the last couple days. I'm not sure if guys like Arnett, who, again, the beat guys mentioned a lot earlier this week, uh, would want to be a co-defensive coordinator, what the specialty would be, that sort of thing. Uh, Obviously, we've thrown around some other names like T-Rob from Alabama, uh, again, that he since he has been a position coach, maybe that would be more logical to be a co-defensive coordinator in that in that instance. Uh, offensively, I think that what I I think that's going to end up happening is I think Auburn's going to pull uh, Derek Nix away from Ole Miss. He has been uh, there for a very very long time. I think since about '08 or so was the running backs coach for a very long time. Has done some other roles there as well, but was running backs coach for Hugh Freeze there. Now that Cadillac is gone, I think he's going to step up, and and I think that's going to be a target for Auburn. 
Uh, and then I think that they will probably promote Kent Austin to quarterback coach since he has worked with Freeze and obviously was uh, in that role at Liberty. Uh, of course, with Freeze calling plays, you know, do they make a co-OC designation with those two? Do they simply just uh, make Austin an offense coordinator that doesn't have play calling duties? We'll see. But I think those are going to be the two moves for those running back and quarterback situations, and they'll figure out uh, the, the titles in that process. Yeah, I agree with you on Derek Nix, but I think they're going to make him an offensive coordinator. Okay. I think that Kent Austin will be quarterback coach. I think Derek Nix will be offensive coordinator. Otherwise, he's not going to leave Ole Miss. Sure, I mean, he's been there a long, long time. It's going to be – And, yeah. and things, things that people may not may or may not know about Derek Nix is, well, you just mentioned he's a running back coach and we just made room for running back coach. And also, that was Hugh Freeze's first choice last year when he first took the job. And Lane Kiffin pitched a fit, okay? And that should tell you something about how good a coach or how good a, of an offensive coordinator that – Derek Nix could be when Lane Kiffin actually made a big stink about Hugh Freeze coming to get him and Hugh Freeze just moved on because it wasn't worth his time. So there was a big brouhaha about Derek Nix last year and Lane Kiffin showed his butt. And I think that 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 should tell you something about what kind of coach Lane Kiffin thinks of Derek Nix. So I think people should be like, well, if you don't know who he is or – you should know, number one, that. Number two, he's already worked with Hugh Freeze before they can finish each other's sentences. So I think we should be excited that Derek Nix will become the offensive coordinator slash running backs coach. Well, and, Ru- so and, I'm on, I, and Russell, let me I'm add on the to that. Page with you there, Ryan. Sure, and let me add to that, too. How many guys survive four different coaching changes at one school? I mean, again, he was there before Hugh Freeze. Uh, in exactly. 08, he was there with Freeze, he was there with Matt Luke, and he was there now with Lane Kiffin. So, I mean, that that uh, that I, I understand you could say, oh, well, someone else didn't poach him. Well, I mean, the dude might love Ole Miss, but also Ole Miss certainly loved him and, and thought highly enough for no matter who the coach was to continue to employ him. I agree. And then on defense, I think it's Chris Kiffin. I think we would have already named a defensive coordinator, whether it was Arnett or whoever else, if it wasn't somebody that's in the NFL. And I am pulling for the Browns this weekend, guys. Browns beat the Texans. Here comes Chris Kiffin in the door. Now, if the Texans win, you and, and this is a big key. If the Texans beat the Browns and we still don't have a defensive coordinator, I think that all signs are point, still pointing towards we're waiting on Chris Kiffin to get done with his season, which is Lane's brother, and he's worked with Hugh Freeze as well. Both Derek Nicks and Chris Kiffin were on his staff at Ole Miss when he was recruiting like nobody's business. Yes, we all know about the the implications and what happened and the dirtiness and all that. We all know that. But, you know, everybody wants to say all that about him and what he was doing at Ole Miss because it got, you know, out in the open. Let's not kid ourselves and think that that wasn't happening everywhere else. So, you know, it is what it is. But – they were on his staff, and I think when you add some people like that to his staff that he's familiar with, I think that what you have to understand is Hugh Freeze, when he came here, this is calculated by him, okay? I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he had to hold this thing together from where it was because Auburn was in shambles, and he had to keep Cadillac, and he admitted that when he came in. Look, 
I had to keep him to keep this thing together, or it would have just imploded, okay? Does that mean he wanted Cadillac himself? Maybe not. But we have to understand, this is Hugh Freeze's football team, and he is going to do everything he can at some point or another to make it his football team. I love Cadillac. I want Cadillac to be here forever. But I also have a head coach in Hugh Freeze that has to do a job. So I have to understand that these things may not work out, okay? Cadillac will land on his feet, okay? And Cadillac may not, may or may not ever come back to Auburn. But this is about Auburn right now. And this is about Auburn in 2024. And when Derek Nix comes here and when Chris Kiffin come here, you are, you're talking about – and Charles Kelly now? Okay, you're talking about a lot of people that can do a lot of different things X and O's wise and recruiting wise. Charles Kelly's here not only for X's and O's, but he is a heck of a recruiter. I mean, obviously, 2023 recruiter of the year. So you're talking about when I'm looking at it, it may not have the sentimental value that this last year's staff had with Auburn men on it, but I'm thinking that this is a better staff going into next year. And we've already seen what we can do on the recruiting trail in one year. So I'm just – I'm excited. Those are my picks. Now, I would in certain circumstances want Dale McGee, but I don't think he's leaving Georgia. I think he would be a good choice for a running backs coach slash co-offensive coordinator. And if that happened, I'm with you. I think that then it would be him and Kent Austin as a co-offensive coordinator. But I think to get Derek Nix here, they're going to have to make him offensive coordinator because he's earned it. And that's kind of what I got to say about that, guys. Y'all have a good one, War Eagle. Appreciate it, Russell War Eagle. That is Russell from Auburn joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Yeah, again, with the Chris Kiffin, too, and I'll add to what Russell was saying uh, about the the various things that a staff like that would be able to do. Again, Chris Kiffin was a defensive line coach and defensive recruiting coordinator for Ole Miss in twelve uh, and through twenty sixteen uh, with with uh, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. So when you pair Kiffin, who obviously did a good job in that cycle of time at Ole Miss recruiting, with Charles Kelly, who again is thought of very highly as a recruiter. Uh, that would be a, a hellacious pairing just right there in terms of defensive recruiting uh, and that sort of thing. And, of course, this is all at a time where uh, already Auburn was in a good position recruiting. I mean, again, they're looking at the seventh or eighth class this year, uh, and if they add Ryan Williams to that, it'll, it'll finish out around fifth. Uh, but, but also with the momentum of, uh, look, how the league might change a little bit with a difference there with Nick Saban not being there, that might give you another opportunity for some more guys too. So, again, all all, all of what this is, I think, is, look, I know the coaching part of it's got to happen, right? And and Hugh Freeze is going to call plays next year because of it and game plan differently and that sort of thing. But, again, that that is something that Freeze has harped on since the day he got here. Talent acquisition, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And all the things that he seems to be doing here, or at least interested in doing, are kind of geared towards maximizing that recruiting. So it is continued to be a consistent philosophy, at least in that. Yes, we can talk about what they're actually looking for out of defensive schematics and that sort of thing. Uh, but I think the one thing is clear that they are trying to maximize their recruiting acumen at every turn. Let's go right back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 
one triple eight nine tiger nine next up ward damn steve retire ward damn steve is with us steve how are you this afternoon guys why is it so hard for auburn to have nice things for very long yeah yeah that's one way of looking at it i mean it's almost like uh it's part of our history part of our dna we get something nice and in in, in moments though it's it's no longer there. It's gone. I know you're referring. I've been sad. I have been sad since last night uh, about Cadillac. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not just speculations, uh, Ryan, excuse me, interrupting, but I will tell you what has been told to us uh, by Nathan, Nathan King, and Jason Caldwell and Philip Marshall. Okay, for all those listeners who are wondering what happened, how this come about. Hugh Freeze, according to those three people, is not to be blamed for this. That was their quote. That's that, that, that's what they were. That Phil Marshall said, Hugh Freeze is not to be blamed. And whatever's going on, there was an internal investigation involving all this. Right. Now, what? Now, Phil Marshall, you can see this morning, is uh, for Friday morning musings, he calls it. He says, I do not know the details. All I know is that this was not a voluntary resignation. Now, I've always I've always loved he's one of my I even had his autograph. I told you guys I ran him down when he was was a freshman and they had a uh, you know, fan day to get his autograph on, on my son's helmet. And I've always considered him for his behavior and his uh, performance on the field and off the field as being ethical person and having high integrity so whatever it led to this guys had to be pretty damn serious you agree or disagree oh yeah no i i agree that there's yeah fully agree uh, a serious nature to it again that's also why uh we have to kind of leave it a little vague and again that's why i've been saying what i've been saying where again it's clearly not a football situation here uh but again we can't just you know, speculate openly into someone's personal life. But, yeah, I mean, again, I have read what you've read, and there's clearly a behind-the-scenes factor here. Yeah. So we may never know. Maybe that's best. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been sad for me. Uh, I, I'm, I mean, I consider him to be uh, sort of like it represented to me. He, he, I, I've also he exemplified the Auburn Creed. And for him to have left like that in this uh, that kind of context it just was really uh, disheartening, uh, to say the least. All right. Now, Zach Etheridge, guys, I really can't make sense of this because this sure isn't, and I agree with Anthony, it ain't going to step up. At best, like you said, it's a parallel move. Right. Uh, what do you make of this, guys? So this out? So it is possible. Okay, I'm just saying, again, not trying to go full speculation mode. It is possible that a part of this is that there is some sort of linkage into the Cadillac situation. Not that it would be centered around Zach Etheridge, but just that there's some sort of tie there. Okay, that that, that is possible. Uh, the other part of it, too, which is a football part, is that I think there is some sort of philosophical difference between Etheridge and Freeze. And what that is, we'll find out. I don't know if it's the recruiting side of things or 
or or exactly what he wanted. If he wanted Wesley McGriff more than Zach Etheridge, if they weren't working well together, again, you could kind of speculate a lot of different things there. Uh, Etheridge obviously was at Houston before Auburn, so this is a place he is also familiar with and comfortable with. And I think that, again, if there is some philosophical difference, if there is some muddy water, uh, so to speak, going on between some of the things that have happened with this previous staff, I think that that is probably, even though it does not seem like a step up and it is not a step up, I think that it makes sense to go back to another place that you are comfortable to if you would like to get out of this situation. Fair enough. Uh, you know, from my uh, viewpoint right now, of course, it's skewed right now because I'm upset with Cadillac leaving and those and all the secrecy behind it. Uh, is this a bad look uh, for, for Auburn in general, for the athletic department? I think that nationally I think it will be. Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate because I think that the national pundits will not really do the the service of deep diving and figuring out why and what's going on. I think that those of us locally know that this is a part of some sort of growing pains of trying to develop and change a program. And I think the people that Hugh Freeze will end up hiring here will all be guys that will fit a lot of bills in terms of having worked in this league, being high-level recruiters, being guys that he trusts but that are still pretty solid names. Again, you're looking at the defensive backfield and you lose Zach Etheridge and, and either you well, – I guess we're going to say that Wesley McGriff was always here even though he was and he was. And so you're replacing Zach Etheridge essentially – with Charles Kelly. Well, nationally, Charles Kelly is a bigger name. He has been a defensive coordinator. He has been renowned for his recruiting. So as a football coach, if you were just telling someone in, in just a, a random school who would you rather have, they would say they'd rather have Charles Kelly. And that is skewed here because Zach Etheridge obviously means so much to Auburn. But again, Charles Kelly's an Auburn grad too. He might be older, but you know, but he is an Auburn grad too. So it's not like Auburn is just wanting nothing to do with any of their people and they just don't trust anybody around here. It is painful change, and I get it. And and again, that's why nationwide say like they lost a bunch of assistants here and there and everything, and that's and they won't deep dive in the sea the why but the why is that they're actually to be honest with you at minimum doing as well but if not upgrading their defensive staff with charles kelly so and again getting to retain wesley mcgriff so again nationally yeah i i think that they're probably going to look at this the wrong way but locally i think we understand that yeah it, it, it's unfortunate for it to look this way and to be to these people that mean something to auburn but i think locally we get that these are coaching staff changes that ultimately might prove prop will probably uh, prove positive so uh again i i, I do I, you can't help what the national narrative is but uh, again i think that would not be a fair picture okay well good well, look i appreciate your thoughtful uh, comments on there uh, it just seems to me that when we have changes, we get hits for it. But Saban has damn changes in offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, every one or two years, and there's, there's no hit pieces written about it, right? Well, okay, the, the situation would be different there because he builds up equity by continuing to hire the right person and continuing to win at the at the very highest level, and, and that that builds the equity. and And those guys usually left, to be fair, most of the time for a head coaching opportunity. And uh, obviously, he maintained Kirby for several years before he went on to Georgia. But 
Uh, you know, that situation, I mean, you, you just build up an equity uh, when you win like that, that, that you get the benefit of the doubt. And, and, and there really shouldn't have been much doubt, honestly, because, again, all, most of his guys went on to head coaching jobs. Kiffin did, Sarkeesian did, again, Kirby did, uh, Pruitt did. I mean, again, a lot of them did. So that, that was still a different situation. And I love uh, hearing Russell's comments. We need to talk about Auburn. Um, before we do that, just real quickly, guys, uh, my son has just told me that He's read somewhere, I don't know if you guys can confirm or not, that apparently, uh, from what he's read, the Saban will not be completely divorced from goings on uh, with uh, Alabama. He'll be still involved in some fashion. Uh, guys, have you heard or read anything about that? Yeah, I think where that's coming from is the fact that he's going to continue to have an office at, uh, at Bryant Denny Stadium. Uh, and, uh, again, he's going to – I think he, the, the comment he made to Reese Davis yesterday was he can still chew their butt out uh, uh, from there. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's still going to have some sort of, you know, hands-off role. Uh, just just hang around. And, again, I think that most programs that have their all-time greats retire, I don't think they ask him to stay far, far away. I think they ask him to kind of do what you want and – you know, help out if you can. Uh, and I know that Saban clearly still loves the sport of football, so I think he loves Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he he's going to – again, you're not going to see him on a game day on a sideline anywhere, but I think that he's still going to lend advice if needed and, and be around there and and uh, just, just kind of be be around that community. I guess real quickly, uh, what are your thoughts about the hire? Washington coach. Yeah, you see, I, I I don't love it, but I'm not sure that they maybe got the the choice. Again, there's going to be conflicting reports. Someone's going to tell you that was their first choice. Someone's going to tell you that was their fourth choice, and they're going to go back and forth again. I, I told, I, I said yesterday, as I did about Auburn's hire with with Freeze versus trying to get Kiffin. Every school is going to say they got their guy. Every school is going to say they got their first choice. It would be horrible PR not to. My personal opinion is that that was not actually their first choice, that Dan yeah, Lanning – I thought it was Oregon. Right. I thought it would be Dan Lanning or Steve Sarkeesian. And I just think that those situations were guys that said, look, we're already building something at a really big school. We don't want to follow Nick Saban's footsteps. We understand the great opportunity, but we're not following Saban, and that's a fair thought. With DeBoer, I think you finally reached a situation where Washington's just so so far below. I don't want to say it like it's the 90th best program out there. It's not that. But with Texas, I mean, it's neck and neck with Alabama. It's just it's Texas's resources, it's just behind Alabama. And then with Oregon even, yeah, Oregon's not had the success even close to it, but it, again, at least money-wise, resource-wise, it's at least a skip and a jump away. But with Washington, it's really not competitive at all. And DeBoer knows that, and that's why I think he is ready and willing to try to meet that challenge of following Nick Saban's legacy there. So, again, I think that Alabama would have been better to hire Sarkeesian or Dan Lanning. Uh, and with DeBoer, I just think that it's going to be a referendum on fit. And we've said this already in the show. We'll say it again and, and again and again that, look, when you have no experience in this part of the world at all in college football, it, it makes things more difficult. It doesn't make them impossible, but it makes them more difficult. And so I'll be interested to see what his staff is. I think the guy can coach football at its purest form. You go win an NAIA. I mean, that's pretty pretty small, uh, pure form of football there. Uh, and then obviously the two years at Washington were good. 
so I again I think he can coach the game of football, but will he get the talent acquisition part correct enough to be able to beat Georgia and Oklahoma and Texas and now Auburn and and satisfy all the the rabid fans there? I, I have my doubts on that. So I think it's an understandable hire, but I do not think it is a home run hire by any means. Yeah, and he doesn't know all these high school coaches, uh, which you've got to really do around here. Right, and again, he's going to have to work very hard on the relationship part of it because we know that is a part of it. And again, any slippage, again, this is and this is why a guy like Sarkeesian probably didn't take it. Any slippage is going to be magnified. They are not going to be reasonable about going 10 and 2 and being 10th or 13th in the country. It's just not it's not going to happen. That's a perfectly fine year if you make a playoff for for 99.9% of programs, but they will not accept that because they are comparing it to Nick Saban. So, it is an incredibly high bar that is just not going to be met by anybody and I don't think Kalen DeBoer would be any different. Okay, staying with our uh uh coaching uh search, corner Jason Caldwell guys and Russell Mission what a guys but uh, Jason Caldwell says he sees Ken Austin as Auburn's quarterback coach and Derek Nix as a running backs coach. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, that's that's the conversation we have with Russell, and, and that's what I think it will end up being. I think that, look, Nix would be a pretty interesting hit because, again, as we were talking with Russell, that, that's a guy that's been through four different administrations there at Ole Miss. He clearly loves Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has loved him, but again, one of the guys he worked for was Hugh Freeze, and that is now a need, obviously, with the with the Cadillac resignation, and so that would marry up pretty well uh, as somebody that, obviously, uh, Ole Miss has tried to keep no matter what their changing circumstances are, uh, and again, if he uh, having been at Ole Miss the last uh, few years, too, as they've continued to climb, obviously he has helped them uh, in, in their resurgence under Lane Kiffin. So uh, I think that that would make a lot of sense there, and I know Del McGee's name will get mentioned, too. I know that's been a pick of Tom Peavy's in the past, so I'm sure Tom would be interested in that, not speaking for him, but just based off of, uh, of previous years. Uh, and, and then, again, with Ken Austin, I think that's something that people have had circled for a while. Do you uh, like him? Uh, you know, again, I don't have a strong opinion of Ken Austin, to be honest with you. I think I probably uh, have a strong, stronger opinion of Nick's just because he's been around uh, the, the SEC for so long. Uh, but I think that when you're looking at him, I think obviously the experience um, with obviously Hugh Freeze. Again, he was with him the, the whole time he was at Liberty, and he did help run their offense. He had that role as co-OC and quarterback's coach there. Uh, I know he does have a little SEC background. I think he was at Ole Miss before Hugh Freeze, actually, uh, in the past. You know, again, I, I don't have a strong opinion, but I certainly understand the thought process. And, again, you're not asking him to call plays. You're asking him to develop quarterbacks. He helped develop Malik Willis. Uh, and and again, that that's that's kind of the extent of the knowledge there. But uh, I, I certainly don't mind it. And again, you're not going to get necessarily a lot of times coordinators can be quarterback coaches. Uh, a lot of times, the OC might be the quarterback coach too. So uh, when you're looking at that, if Hugh Freeze is calling plays, you're attracting a different kind of candidate. And I think Ken Austin fits that. Okay, thanks for that information. All right, real quickly, back tomorrow night's game, guys. Uh, I didn't notice that last year until I read it, but. They are number one when it comes to turnovers. Did you know that? I did not know that off the top of my head, no. Uh, so I'm saying, well, if, you're, if you're number one turnovers, why are you playing so badly? Well, okay, because, I mean, that's only one component of it. And to be fair, I mean, they're 
playing well in the SEC. I mean, they did beat Texas A&M um, pretty pretty handily, and they they did beat Vanderbilt. So they're off to a two and zero start in the league. Yes, they are supposed to be uh, on the smaller end of things in the SEC. But again, I when you go through their non conference stuff. Uh, they had the really bad loss at the beginning of play when they lost to Nicole State. That Nickel State, that's that's a bad one. There's no doubt about that. Close loss. This loss to Dayton. Dayton's pretty good. They're going to be a tournament team. That's understandable. Uh, beat North Texas. They're fine. Beat Wake Forest. They're pretty good. Wake Forest is probably going to be an NIT type of team. Uh, you did get thumped by Syracuse. Syracuse is probably going to be an NIT or NCAA tournament team. Uh, and, and again, they have some other stuff in there. Battled with Texas, who's a top 25 team. So, again, they don't really have a win that stands out, but you certainly understand their losses. So, again, I don't think that they are a bad basketball team. I think they're in year two there uh, with, uh, with their situ- coaching situation, and I think that they are improving. But, yeah, they're just they're not a top-tier SEC team. So, when we play them tomorrow, is this a quad two game? I'm not sure where LSU is in the net right now. I know that uh, being a home game, I, I certainly it will not be a quad one. Uh, but I'll have to look up exactly where they are in the net to if it's quad two or quad three. Probably quad two if I had to guess, but um, I'll double-check here. Captain C, what would you make a line, Ron? I would go – okay, so LSU's 98 in the net, so I think that's just by two spots quad, a quad two. Quad two. Uh, so that is quad two. I would make the line low double digits probably, like uh, minus 11 for Auburn, minus 12, something there. Not, not a blowout. But uh, a game that uh, hopefully will look different than Auburn's previous 11-point victory <laughs> against Texas A&M. Right. Uh, be a little bit more higher, confident in it. Higher scoring. Right, maybe. definitely yeah. higher scoring, yeah. Uh, so, But, yeah, a game that Auburn should ha- ha- you know, have some control over without blowing them out. Okay. Any of you guys going to it? Uh, Brooks is in a professional capacity. Cam, you going in professional capacity? Yeah, I'll capacity? be there. Yep. I'm not. Okay, so Brooks, those two will be. Brooks cannot use profanity because he's professional. Okay. Yes. I got it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, finally, guys, I'm going to do this like Jeopardy. Okay. Here's your Jeopardy answer. Minus 30. Minus 30. Uh, what NFL. is – This is the NFL. Uh, what is the temperature at Kansas City on yep. Saturday? Oh, yeah, wind chill. Wind chill. Wind chill. Yeah. Yep. Yes, you got it. I said minus 30. I mean, maybe the players can do it because they're constantly <laughs> moving around. But if you're sitting – in the stadium, uh, you you'll be frozen. Just dump the hot chocolate on you. Seriously, Just dump it on you. I would not play in this. <laughs> I would not opt out. NFL I opt would, out. Oh, oh, you know my ankle kind of hurts. Yeah, I think stiff. I'm just gonna. Yeah. Well, just, everyone else is stiff too. I don't know if I can. <laughs> this well, can is where it it, like? it's weather like this, Steve. Where I know I was not built to play football. <laughs> Well, if you're a receiver, imagine that ball hitting you. Yeah, Kansas yeah. City's going to have some no, drops. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> they do it at regular weather. Right, so. they, they do it, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think it'll be a heavy, heavy dosage of run from both teams, uh, especially from Miami, because Tua does not have a good record of playing in the cold. So that that's going to be a, a tough game. I think Mahomes and I think the Chiefs in general will have a be- will fare a little better overall, just because that's their home environment, so they're used to it. But Tua. Has, does not play well in the cold. Like it does not play well at all in the cold. So uh, it, it it will be very very tough for Miami to uh, to move the ball. I think in any capacity outside of the run game. Well, I'm gonna give you a nine to nothing Tampa Bay score in the game. Then sounds fun. Sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. See you, Tampa Bay, Ron. Uh, what, what do you give your your Bucks a chance? 
Uh, 30% chance. 25? Something there. Really? You're, yeah. you're going low. I, everyone says that Tampa's not good. No, like, they what, might what, not what, be what, good, what are but we... the Eagles aren't good either, <laughs> really. They're not great. I know, but... They're struggling. Their defense is not that great. Baker's going to be able to carve up that secondary. I, I don't... I know... Well, okay, I, well, here's another X factor, though. I, maybe, maybe... If he was healthy, he's also he's got a rib problem from the Saints game, an ankle okay. problem now from the Panthers game. Look, I'm not trying to be captain pessimist. I'm not. I'm, I'm literally wearing a Bucks hoodie right say, now. I know you want them to win, <laughs> right? But but Philly pretty much dominated them the first time. I know it's hard to beat teams twice sometimes. That was a Bucks, rain game but, too, wasn't it? Uh it was. Mo- oh no, it was mostly dry. It rained. At, it rained at one point in the game. Okay, and it's probably going to rain again Monday night. Um, but. Look, the Bucks kept it pretty close to score. It's two touchdown game. Eagles really control the ball, uh, really pound in Tampa. Uh, now, Bucks had three defensive starters out of that game, so that'll help them in this one. But again, I, I don't think Baker is healthy. Uh, the Bucks still can't run the ball much, so I just don't know how the Bucks are supposed to score unless Philly turns the ball over, which they've been doing. I mean, again, Philly's been a mess. I get Philly's it. Been bad. Philly's been a mess, but but I would say Tampa and maybe Green Bay are the two worst teams. Uh, and probably the entire playoffs, not even just the NFC. So if you're wanting to play anybody, you're Philly. Tampa's one of the teams you want to play. And I can also speak to this. Last thing I know I'm going on on. But Tampa's not going to have a robust home field advantage. Baker actually played better on the road this year than at home for one. And two, Philly fans travel. Tampa is not a great fan base. That's true. I can say that because yeah. it is my beloved's, <laughs> but they're not a, a great fan base. It'll it'll be max 70 75%. There, there will be at least a quarter of that stadium will be Philly fans, if not closing in on 30%, 40%. Well, you have little faith. Uh, <laughs> look, you've got a field goal kicker, Ryan. I know. Chase McLaughlin's great. Uh, he did not miss a kick that actually made it past the line of scrimmage. The uh, only two kicks he missed this year were blocked. So he was awesome. That's great. But I do think the Bucks will have score a touchdown at some point. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be uh, watching them. Uh, is that an afternoon or night game? That's Monday night, 7-15. Yep. Okay. And the Kansas City game, is that a day or night? So that's a Saturday night game, but it's on Peacock. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. It's not on regular? No, on it's the only game. playoff game that's not. They're they're kind of they're bad for that. They're bad for that. I'll, I'll be darned. Yep. Well, I've got Peacock, but gee, my knees. Oh, well, you can watch it then. You're good. You're good. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, general, the NFL playoffs, I mean, they should be available to the public. I general. agree. I do agree. Gee, my knee. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Hey, Enjoy the weekend, guys, and thank you for letting me uh, have some a little bit of therapy time because I've, I've, I've been struggling with it this last night with Cadillac. Uh, I'll get over it, though. All right, guys. Uh, I hope Tampa Bay wins. Appreciate and, uh, it. I'll, I, I'm, if nothing else, I'm just going to watch it for the snow to see who attends the game on sure. Saturday night. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Talk to you on Monday. Wait, are you going to have a, 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 sh- uh, a show on Monday? Yes, we will. Brooks Childers okay. will be hosting it. Yep. All right, then. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see. Appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to head to a timeout. Mac with more sports call right after this.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Want to remind you that the Sports Call survey is still up. One more week on that, and uh, we want everyone to participate uh, there and send in a survey. It's only nine questions. It's available at Sports Call AU on Twitter, Sports Call Auburn on Facebook and Instagram, the Tiger.fm website. And again, we really appreciate the feedback as we move along here in 2024. We're going to move along just for a few minutes. No one panic. Um, this is not going to be a coaching carousel segment, and that's going to be okay. We will get back to that in hour number three. Auburn basketball does have a game on Saturday against LSU uh, that we do want to cover for just a few minutes before we end the second hour of the program. And, of course, the Tigers coming off a win against Texas A&M, 66-55 inside of Neville Arena. Of course, they improved to 2-0 in the SEC, beating two teams that have gotten them a few times in recent years. Obviously, it's always tough to play at Bud Walton Arena. Auburn made it. Uh, very peaceful and quiet in there in the second half. And then Auburn defeats the Texas A&M squad that had won eight of the last ten against Auburn prior to that one. So they've kind of gotten a couple of the teams that might end up in the middle of the league this year. They kind of wrote, uh, rewrote some wrongs of previous years with those two teams. So now they take on LSU. Uh, as we talked a little bit about with Steve, LSU is a team that uh, is still trying to, to build a lot. Again, they were in a very dark place. Uh, post Will Wade uh, and in just in their season so far not a whole lot uh, that's really gone wrong for them they just kind of have been what they've been uh, so far with Matt McMahon in his second year uh, after a rough year last year and so the Tigers and the Tigers match up in Neville Arena so guys keys to the game for you things you want to see out of Auburn and I guess you could uh, and along these lines, since this is probably our only segment about it, kind of give us the uh, the prediction for what will happen. Yeah, I, I I think this will be you know another solid outing for for Auburn. Um, you know, I I think we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, last uh, last segment with Steve, just talking about you know we think this game will be a little bit more higher scoring. Uh, Texas A and M just played some really tenacious defense. Um, which I mean, they they always have, and you know they always give Auburn fits, so that that's always something. And so for Auburn to be to come out and get an eleven point win, and old Texas A and M, who's really good, uh, you know, offensively as well, to to fifty five points was something definitely that you can take away from the game and say, hey, this defense is really something that can step up. So I think I just want to see a continuity in in the defense, uh, continuing to build that camaraderie that they have and stay connected and everything that they've done on defense uh because again like bruce said and you know we said it over and over that was what he was his concern at the beginning of the season 
And so it, now, you know, Auburn is is amongst the top teams in the country in defense and, you know, and, and also in offense just overall. And they're in the net. There are they are seventh, if I remember correctly. Uh, and, and so they're they're playing some really, really good basketball. You just obviously never want to overlook your opponent. Um, so you, you obviously just have to stay focused. You're at home, so the home court advantage will absolutely be there. It's a Saturday at 5 o'clock, so there will be no worry about that. Uh, the Auburn faithful will absolutely show up, uh, and, it, and it will be a loud game. The student section will be fully back, everything like that. So it, it'll it'll certainly be something. Uh, and so you just want to be able to uh, you know re reestablish your high-powered offense, get some efficiency things going. Uh, I think that's something that I really want to see is the defense getting staying connected and, and continuing to build with that. And I think I really want to see the offense get back after just such a low-scoring outing against uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, you know, you, you look at this this matchup this week, and I think Auburn needs to have another uh, needs to have a big game uh, from uh, another big game from Chad Baker Mazar coming off the bench. I think he's been a guy that's been able to come into the the, the lineup. Uh, after the first few minutes and really provide a spark and you know we talked about the how the the Tigers so deep their benches the the Auburn Tigers how deep their benches um and they've they've been able to come in and and be really really effective in that and you know you you, Justin Ferguson talked about it earlier this week uh that you know you usually when when that happens when the when the second team uh, quote-unquote second team comes in you start to see Auburn go on a run there because they're all fresh they all are, are guys that kid could start uh, they, they've got the potential to start, uh, and they they come in and they're fresh. And then when LSU's or the the, the opponents uh, guys come off the bench, they're they're all, they're not as used to you know getting in there and playing as the Auburn guys are. So you see Auburn go on runs. I think that's going to be a key. Uh, I think Janai Broom needs to continue to do what he's been doing all season and, and just kind of dominating. I think Jalen Williams, uh, a guy coming off a twenty two point performance the other night, uh, needs to continue with his hot streak. Uh, the the thing is is, is LSU comes in. Uh, you know they're they're ten and five. You look, you know, Ryan. You talked about their schedule. It, it's it's not as robust. It's you know they they've had some uh, some different. It's it, it's it's been different getting here. They are two and zero in the SEC though. One of those was Vanderbilt. Yes, but they went on the road to Texas A and M. That Auburn. You know, Cam. You talked about uh, Auburn held them to fifty five points. That was at at Auburn's place though. LSU went to A&M, played on the road, and held them to 53 points. And so this LSU defense is a, is a team that they're going to get after you. They they created uh, they average about 10 steals per game, so they're going to be harassing. Uh, they, they try to create their opportunities. Auburn's just got to be disciplined. And, and what you were saying, uh, what you were saying, Cam, is the fact that it's a Saturday afternoon inside Neville Arena. The the crowd there's there's not going to be any issue getting people there on time for the game. Uh, people are going to be in their seats filled up. Um, tickets are you know secondary market tickets are over a hundred dollars right now if you if you're trying to go to the game. And so it, it, this this feels like the way the 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 world of college basketball has been going this year or this week this you know on paper you could have said this could have been one of those uh, trap games for Auburn where they could Absolutely. be fallen victim but yeah. I think the fact that it's a Saturday afternoon in Neville Arena uh, and you're you know you're coming off of that performance against Texas A&M which was you know their, their low one of their lowest scoring performances of the year 66 points for the Tigers I think this is their rebound game instead of a trap game yeah you know tremendous ability and confidence for me in Auburn to win at home period. Now, does that mean LSU maybe scares them? Possibly, but I think that Auburn is 
a good bit better than LSU still, and this is at home. And I think that they will really continue to build off of what they've started so far in SEC play. They've won a beautiful blowout. They've won a scrappy fist fight. And I think that they are prepared physically if LSU wants to go that route. Now, LSU looks a little different than they did early this year, and that's because Jalen Cook uh, was eligible to play for them just five games ago. And he's, in five games, become their leading scorer. He's averaging 17 points a game. And so that has changed them a little bit. And uh, he's a part of the steal brigade for them. He averages a steal and a half a game, so he's active. This will be a good test for Auburn and their offense to play a cleaner game because LSU is adept at making you not play a very clean game. Again, they have held their opponents uh, to a pretty low mark here to start SEC play. Vandy, which is 69 and A&M with 53. So this is another test for Auburn in, again, <coughs> handling SEC play in a way that they don't turn the ball over and they get back to what they've been doing with seven, six, eight turnovers again because they did get to double-digit turnovers against Texas A&M. But I, I do think that, again, Auburn is a good mark better than LSU. And so if Auburn plays pretty good basketball, they're going to be fine. And, again, that Neville Arena crowd will be pumped. They were, again, lined up out the door for the Texas A&M game. Again, it was – for those that didn't see it or didn't know, or for the national media that will not listen to the show, but they should because this is a good show, is that Bronny James was not there. And yet it was the exact same thing outside of Neville Arena for the game. I know that's just going to absolutely shock the Jeff Goodmans of the world. Like it's not possible that Auburn could actually care about their basketball. But that was the situation. And the students were lined up three deep, standing room only, in, even in the upper level next to where the media sits. Okay, so the interest in this program is continually setting new marks at all-time highs. And so the crowd's going to be great. Neville Arena's already great. And so I have full faith in Auburn winning. Is there a couple different paths to that? Sure. But, again, I do think Auburn's the better team, and they are on their home floor. That will do it for hour number two of the show. One more hour still ahead on this Friday. When we come back, we'll get back into some more coaching discussions, both with Auburn and around the SEC, and also maybe a little bit of NFL playoff preview uh, as we are getting set for the Super Wild Card Weekend, the National Football League. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 fm wtgz tuskegee auburn and am 620 wtrp lagrange whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. And the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Barry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. If you'd like to give us a call on hour number three, the Orthopedic Clinic phone line is open 334 887 3401 locally or toll free 1 at 889 Tiger 9. We begin with, again, some of the breakdown we had in the first hour. Want to get back to it? We've had some calls. We've talked about it in some other ways, but. Again, want to go back over the Auburn coaching news and do some hypotheticals here with the staff position still available. Of course, you surely know by now, again, Cadillac Williams resigning his position in Auburn running backs coach. Also, Zach Etheridge, who had been working with the DBs, uh, has gone on to Houston, which is where he was coaching prior to coming to Auburn a couple of years ago. Uh, in the fray now is Charles Kelly, again, going to be co-defensive coordinator, work with DBs. Uh, again, a incredible recruiter, was the D.C. at Colorado last year, but, of course, uh, has a background with many other schools, including Florida State, Alabama, uh, some other places as well. Uh, and so Charles Kelly was officially announced by Auburn today. Also, Wesley McGriff is back. Did he leave? Was he here the whole time? Anyone know where he was? Well, he's here now. So, Wesley McGriff. He was out and about, right? <laughs> he was out and about. Uh, Wesley McGriff is returning to Auburn. Uh, I think it's going to be still technically his third stint in Auburn. I don't know if we're going to separate last year and this year and call it a fourth, but report that he will be back working in the secondary with an on-the-field role. So, uh, there you go. That's the situation from defensive back. Zach Etheridge out, Charles Kelly in, Wesley McGriff returns. Uh, you're still looking for a situation where someone does need to be giving, given another uh, designation there with defensive coordinator. Again, Charles Kelly was labeled a co-defensive coordinator. That means there needs to be another one. So we'll see what's going on there. Uh, Auburn still has some options to bring in somebody from outside their staff. There have certainly been names floated out there, uh, and like uh, – of course, Chris Kiffin has been mentioned. You know, I had mentioned T-Rob earlier. I don't know if that's necessarily the fit anymore, given that he has been a secondary guy. Auburn now has two secondary guys, so probably not a fit there anymore. Uh, but, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what they end up looking at. I don't know if some of the guys mentioned earlier in the, late, in the week, like Zach Arnett, would we be willing to be a co-defense coordinator? Maybe. Maybe they want to take a small breather, so we'll see. Uh, on the latest there. Again, offensively with Cadillac Williams out, the running back position, the quarterback position, and the label of offensive coordinator position is open. I feel more solid in my theories there that I think Auburn is going to target Derek Nix of Ole Miss, who's been on the staff there since 2008, including with Hugh Freeze as running back coach. Uh, also labeled as a pretty good recruiter. Uh, and then I think that they will simply elevate Kent Austin – uh, who has a lot of experience working with Hugh Freeze, experience in football in general, 
I think they will elevate him to the same role he was in at Liberty uh, and have him coaching the quarterbacks. Now, again, does Nick's become full-fledged OC? We'll see. Is he a co-OC? We'll see. Obviously, you got to do something to get him away from Ole Miss because he worked there for a very long time through several different staffs. So some interesting uh, dilemmas there. But uh, I do think that that is going to be Auburn's target, and we'll see uh, if he'll take that position. So uh, even despite all of this chaos, again, in a way, some of this is starting to round into form, at least with our best guesses and what would make some logical sense. Now, does things in college football make logical sense very often? No, not really. So that's still apt to change. Uh, but, again, I think that's the way it's looking at. The other thing we wanted to get to with Auburn football today, because we had not gotten to this part of it yet, uh, two big roster decisions were made in the last 24 hours. This preempted the coaching news last night. It's very big news, though. Percy Lewis of Mississippi State. He is 6'8", yeah. 350 pounds. He has committed to Auburn in the transfer portal. He was the starting tackle at Mississippi State, starting left tackle at Mississippi State last year. And I think that there is a pretty good chance he's going to start for Auburn this year. Uh, that's a pretty big pickup yeah. in portal. And Auburn might have found one of their starting offensive linemen out of Mississippi State, a well, well-regarded portal guy in Percy Lewis there. Uh, also, Auburn got the – uh, a firm commitment of Jarquest Hunter today. He is not going to go pro, test in NFL draft waters. He is going to come back to Auburn. So Auburn's running back room continues to look like it is pretty much intact. Again, Brian Batie returned a couple of days ago, and now Jarquest Hunter's returning. Uh, to be fair, I guess there was never an official word from Austin or, or Cobb, but I think Austin's been very much active on social media in support of Auburn, so again, yep. not anticipating anything there. I've not heard anything official from Jeremiah Cobb. But, Cobb just chilling. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, again, the running back room seems to continue to be intact even in the hours following the Cadillac Williams news. So, again, guys, with all that, coordinators, offense, defense, players, Percy Lewis, Jarquez Hunter, take of it what you will. That Percy Lewis pickup is is really, really big. I saw he only allowed one sack at, at Mississippi State. Uh, in his multiple starts. So he is, I mean, that's a very, very high-quality O-lineman that Auburn was able to pick up. That's big. Uh, Hugh Freeze continuing to work really, really hard to rebuild the trenches uh, and and get a strong show and get some continuity in that front front five. So that's a big one. And then uh, just, you know, I mean, like talking about the coordinators and things like that, that'll be interesting. The running backs, that'll be uh, an interesting replacement. Replacement Derek Nix, if 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 they're able to pull him away from Ole Miss, that's a that's a really really good pickup uh, and and a very very good replacement for Cadillac. Um, and then yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, defensive coordinator with with Charles Kelly, I think that's a good one. Great recruiter, fantastic. I mean, like we you know we've talked about a 2023 recruiter of the year. Uh, so the guy knows how to get get the get the guys in here. So so uh, hopefully he'll be able to continue that for Auburn. Uh, it, you know it just really seems like Hugh Freeze is bringing in amongst the best recruiters that he possibly can get, um, and and hopefully that will continue with the offensive side of the ball as well, uh, and and that will free him up to call the plays next year like he plans on doing. I think that. Uh, you know, obviously he'll be heavily involved in the game plan. So I think that's just his plan is to 
get get the guys that will recruit at a high level at every you know on, on both sides of the ball, so he doesn't have to worry about that as much. And then uh, he can he can focus on the results on the field, which I think is highly important. Uh, you know, something that really didn't pan out last year as well. The uh, on the field things, and and so now that's that's where he's turning his focus to, and we'll see what uh, what ends up happening. There's a lot of things that people complain about college football nowadays. I, you know, I, I don't complain that much about the how, how college football is now is these these days, except for this is the one thing that I, I hate is that we have to sit and we have to wait to, for players to make announcements so that we're coming back. It you know it it was used to be if you know you didn't hear from them and say, hey I'm going to the draft or I'm transferring, you knew they were back. You just knew they were back. Now we're left in limbo for you know, and and, and it, this is just any any player that you know, are they coming back? Are they coming back? And then it's like this whole big deal. We're posting on social. We're releasing a hype video that I'm back. Well, cool, great. I just it, it needed. You know, it, it's it, I, that's just it's. I'm the old man. I'm sitting on the porch now. Uh, this is this is my soapbox. Get it, on it. It's just I Get don't it, I don't Brooks. like having to sit and wait for people to tell me that you're coming back. Just. Tell, like, just come back. It's just, yeah, just come back. I don't have don't don't make me worry about everybody coming back. That being said, great that Auburn gets Jarquez Hunter back. Uh, we talked about it yesterday uh, with the the running back room. It's a it's a stout running back room. You really really uh you, it, it's it's a big uh it, it it's a big get that you you get uh, Jarquez back to go on top of those other running backs. Um, you know I I you know you wonder uh. Obviously, with the announcement coming today with Jarquez back, uh, you don't think the, the Cadillac Williams move is going to affect him, at least since the announcement was today. Uh, but you, I, I, you maybe have to ask the question is, does it affect anybody else in that running back room once you get to that after that spring, uh, that, that spring transfer portal? And, you know, I'm sure that depends on who you bring in as the new running backs coach, uh, what that is. But uh, as of right now, running back room set up really, really good uh, for, for this coming year. Uh, and like I think it was yesterday on the show we we talked about it. I, I think the next big thing is you go out and try to recruit running backs uh, going into the, the next year, the 2025 class, 2026 class. You try to get more some. You try to uh, recruit then uh, for that offensive side of the ball for the, the running backs. Um, the offensive line, uh, he, 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 great. Uh, it, it's always good to get more offensive line help, especially uh, because it's a, it's a position, and I I know it's a broken record every time I, we say it, but we've talked talked about it on the show since uh since the Gus Malzahn era about the lack of offensive line at Auburn and the more offensive line help you get the better it it, you know you you just you add 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 you can never have too many offensive linemen in that room after what uh what Auburn went through uh with uh years we've heard people call into the show complaining about the offensive line recruiting we've complained about the offensive line recruiting and so it's a it's a big. I think that that is a, it's a big get. Adds depth to that room. Adds a spot uh, on that that uh, the tackle position that can really help and it really help to solidify some you know moving other guys around and maybe more natural positions, not playing people out of position a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's big. It, it, it's really really big. And you know, Ryan, you brought up uh, defense coordinator. I'm really interested to see what what transpires there. I'm really interested to see. If Auburn does go out and get somebody else, if they slap a co DC on somebody else that's already on staff and say this is it, 
um, after you hire, hired Charles, Charles Kelly. Uh, it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where you go with that, that defense, especially because this is it's kind of a move. You know, we, we talked about it when earlier this week when Ron Roberts was announced going to Florida. It's a move that you didn't really think needed needed to happen. Auburn's defense was fine this year. There was a few plays right. here and there that you, you kind of scratched your head at, but it was just singular plays. You saw them adjust all year long. Uh, I know that, you know one of the big things that negatives that people brought up, uh, Steve's brought it up, was the going down 21 points to Maryland. After that, Auburn's defense shut them down. It, the offense, uh, Auburn's defense in that bowl game gave – uh, Auburn's offense a chance to get back in it. Obviously, the, the offense didn't take those the chances to get back into it. But Auburn's they made that adjustment after that first quarter and was able to you know control uh, the the Maryland what Maryland wanted to do offensively in that that bowl game. I thought he was. I thought Ron Roberts was very, very good. Uh, I thought that was one of the better hires that that Q had made uh, for the staff. Obviously, he he decided to leave, go to Florida, um, and now you're sitting there trying to figure out where the defense is. Uh, Charles Kelly, we talked about it getting hired on. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Just a, a continues to be a great. I think a great recruiting hire for the Tigers. Yeah. So look, something else I want to address before we move on to is with. The running back room and with Cadillac Williams because again I know that that hit some people pretty hard last night and today uh, I know that Cadillac uh, certainly had a, a a big part of Auburn people's uh, will there for some games last year when he took over the the interim head coach role and and led the Tigers the last four or so five games of last year i will say again i I can't speak for everything going on behind the scenes i don't know everything there's obviously uh some stuff to go through there uh my personal opinion is i hope it does not ever see the light of day uh so everyone can just kind of maintain the image that they have however i think that when we're looking at the football side of things i want to at least walk people off a cliff if they are trying to walk towards one when it comes to him departing. Uh, He was a solid running back coach. We get it. He certainly meant a lot to Auburn and to Auburn people. He played at Auburn. He was successful at Auburn. He was successful in the NFL until he got injured. Uh, And, again, he led last year. I get it. Uh, But you look at the running backs the last, what, four or so years that he'd been a part of it, uh, five, six years. And there was some good stuff there. Tank Bigsby was a big deal, a big-time recruit. Uh, I think people still felt at the end of the day Auburn did not get everything they could out of Tank Bigsby. I think that maybe at times it was still not quite what people had hoped with Tank. We saw the talent, but sometimes the production was not all the way there. Uh, and then aside from that, you're looking at guys like Jarquez Hunter and Damari Lawson, not the necessarily the highest-rated recruits, but productive running backs, pretty good. Uh, you're looking at Jeremiah Cobb, who's a four-star guy uh, who was coveted by several, uh, and there's going to be high expectations for him as he continues his Auburn career. But none of what was done the last few years uh, in terms of the running back room is irreplaceable. Uh, and is it is not and, it, and none of it is even necessarily that hard to duplicate. Auburn's got a great history with running backs. And to be honest with you, if you're trying to stack up some running backs of the last 10 or 15 years, 
these guys that Auburn has now, even though collectively it's a really talented group, they're not going to grade out favorably to too many of the running backs Auburn's had in the last 10 or so years. They're not going to grade out favorably against guys like Trey Mason and Carryon Johnson, Cam Petway, maybe even Cameron Ars Payne. I mean, Ars Payne ran for like 1,600 yards in a year here. So, again, some of that system, some of that's talent, I get it. There's other things to go into it. But what I'm saying to you is Auburn has a history of running backs. And so losing Cadillac at this time when there are nobody committed in the 24 class, the only real running back we know they're working on in the future is Alvin Henderson in the 2025 class. And they have given him a whole year. There's one year between now and when he'll sign uh, in December of, of 24, probably. And so there's a lot of time for whoever the new guy is to win Henderson over, get his services. Obviously, the guys here are staying. Jarquez Hunter, he knows Cadillac's gone, and he decided to come back to Auburn today. And Brian Battee earlier this week decided to come back to Auburn. So, again, I know that people on the personal side of things could be very disappointed, and there's a lot of speculation there. But on the football side of things, obviously the world will go on. Uh, and I know <laughs> this is a conversation, people, if you if you thought I was joined us and thought I was talking about Saban or something, Alabama, the world will go on. <laughs> like, yes, the world will go on. With Auburn having to replace Cadillac Williams with the running back position, so again, I, I understand that there is a uh, a relationship there that goes beyond just coach and fan because of uh, of his role at Auburn for not only as a player, but again, what he did last year. But again, from a football production standpoint, he can and he will be replaced. So again, that's something that I do want to point out. And if they get someone like Derek Nix again. You can say whatever you want. Well, oh, he was just at Ole Miss. I mean, is Ole Miss some special program and blah, blah, blah? He's there 14, 15 years. Well, okay. Let me let me see. If one school likes that guy so much that they're going to go through four different head coaches and every single time that head coach wants them on their staff, that is a very, very rave review of that person. So I don't know for a fact it would be Derek Nix. It might not be Derek Nix. It might be somebody else. He uh, he might not be the first call. He might be the first call and says, no, I just want to I want to be an Ole Miss lifer or whatever. But Lane Kiffin really wanted him. Matt Luke wanted him. And Hugh Freeze really, really wanted him, even after a previous administration there had failed. So, again, if that is the type of guy that Auburn gets, Auburn will have gotten a very quality running back coach we're going to head to our first time out here in the five o'clock hour when we come back we'll shift gears just a little bit as we start to wind down this friday edition of the show want to hit on the nfl playoffs which are coming up this weekend again six games on super wild card weekend we'll try to preview those for you next here on this friday edition of sports call Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls, starting to wind down a wild week of Sports Call, of the sports world of the coaching carousel. We never really got into the NFL side of the carousel, but that has been uh, pretty wild too when you factor in particularly the moves made uh, with New England and with Seattle. So those were a couple of big moves. But uh, in the limited time we have left, we do want to preview just for a few minutes uh, the NFL postseason this weekend because uh, we do get it underway, and I do want to cherish the remaining football. Even if it's not college, there's still active football that matters to be watched. So I do want to cherish this time. Uh, we'll start with the Saturday games, the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Are coming up the first game, 3.30. Uh, and, again, that game was played a few weeks ago in Houston, so rematch from a few weeks ago. And the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs, and, again, that game is on Peacock, which uh, I'm sure a lot of Taylor Swift fans will inexplicably get this weekend. Yeah, I get the little free uh, trial. So, yeah. Do you get a free trial? Maybe, maybe I don't know. I bet you do. Probably. Do like a, maybe like a seven-day free trial. Something like that. Uh so that's the 7 o'clock game that is not available to uh, be seen on, on normal cable and that sort of thing, and that's only streaming on Peacock. The Sunday games, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, as Buffalo skyrocketed to the two seed in the AFC. Uh, that one is going to be very snowy, I believe, is what the forecast is. That's the noon game on Sunday. The 3.30 game is two of the great franchises in the sports history, Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers, that's the 2-7 matchup. And the NFC, who could have been the 2 seed but ends up being the 3, is the Detroit Lions. And they have a very fascinating matchup on the Sunday night game against the red-hot Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford playing a playoff game in Detroit against the Lions. And then the Monday night game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winners of the NFC South. Versus the struggling as of late Philadelphia Eagles. That is the Monday night game. That was a Monday night game in week three when the Eagles won that one the first time. So there's the six matchups this weekend. What stands out? What's your most what's the game are you most excited for? What team are you most nervous about? Most quizzical about? Just just give me all your thoughts. Hmm. Most nervous. I'm most nervous actually about the Lions. I want them to win that game. I really, I they have been such a good story this season, getting to the playoffs, all this stuff, and then you have to face your ex girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Stafford and McVeigh, and it, obviously an innovative offense that they have, and Stafford underratedly had a really good season. Honestly, uh, he was really slinging the ball around. Puka Nakua set a record for uh, for rookie yards and all that. So, uh, I mean, phenomenal season that they've managed to have. And, and Kyron Williams didn't even <laughs> – dude only played, uh, what, 10 games and had 1,000 yards. So that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, so I'm most nervous for the Lions. I want them – I know that crowd is going to be crazy and Stafford's back, so it'll probably be a little sentimental. But – Got to handle business. Got to got to go in there, and you got to you got to get a win. Uh, I mean, you're you're playing at home. Everything's set up for you, so you got it. You got to finish uh, hard. So that's the team I'm most nervous about. I'm I, I mean I'm also I'm also nervous about the players and everybody that will be in Kansas City. Um, 
playing for playing that game and, and just attending that game, whether it's the cameraman or whoever, everybody, because they're all going to freeze. And it's what kind of re- what kind of recovery value is there in hot chocolate? What kind? What I what literally can we do? think that the hot chocolate, <laughs> no matter how hot it is, will freeze. So I don't think there is much. <laughs> they're going to have to put the heaters on the beverages oh, so they, they don't freeze. To. They have to. They are going to. Ha- it's it's. I am very, very curious as to how they're going to handle that conditions-wise. I don't know if it's going to be actively snowing. I hope it's not because that would be terrible even more already than the wind chill and the cold combined. I think that one's dry. I think the one up in Buffalo on Sunday that was going to be And snowy. I saw I – mean, yeah. I mean, even that one. That one's going to be rough too for – the Bills are playing uh, – who I, Pittsburgh. I lost it up. Pittsburgh. Okay, well, that'll be a decent game because those are two cold teams, so – uh, that 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 one will surely be interesting. I think the Bills will be perfectly fine, though. Uh, uh, Steelers still have no offense, and they have no TJ Watt, so they're pretty much done. I, I mean, if the Bill, I mean, if the <laughs> and Bills, Bills are hot, look, no and the Bills are hot, yeah, yeah. So for real. And and it, you know, if Buffalo can just figure out and and just keep a semblance of an offense, I think they'll be fine. If they score like twenty eight points, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, can you score that in that weather, though? I mean, it is, it is conducive to They've been to running the ball pretty effectively, honestly. They've been able to with, with Joe Brady as their OC yeah. now. They've been able to run the ball much better than they had in the early part of the season. So I think they'll be fine. Um, I, I do. I think they'll ultimately end up being fine. And then um, let's see. Uh, Eagles, again, I told you, I, 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 I understand, you know, the Eagles are – quote unquote the better team whatever but they are beat up aj brown's got an injury hurts got the hand injury the offense has not looked great the defense hasn't looked good all season really um they've i mean they've got the they you know the secondary is just not great if baker can just not die in the pocket i think that i really think tampa bay has a chance to win uh and and if you can just stop the run game i mean you got to contain swift but i mean even he's had a slight fall off towards the back half of the season um so he hasn't had phenomenal games either so uh, if you can if you can limit that offense and if aj brown's really i mean it seemed like he's kind of Trending towards out. He's not practicing. Yeah, trending towards out, exactly. So and he doesn't seem fully engaged in just a lot of off the court stuff either or off the field stuff either. I saw, you know, there's some rumors about like he deleted all his stuff that has to do with the Eagles on his Instagram. So just little things like that. Uh, might not be fully engaged, so that'll be interesting to see. And then uh what game am I missing? I'm trying to think. Uh well the uh Browns Texans game. That'll and be then a the good Packers one. Cowboys. Cowboys are gonna roll. I I actually believe that okay. um, Packers are gonna uh, you know they're they're just really really young and and the Cowboys actually have a pretty complete roster um, and and they they are built to make a pretty good run into the playoffs you know uh, barring any absolutely insane collapse that we have seen the Cowboys do in years past so it's not like it's impossible to rule out um, and then yeah and then the 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 Browns and and uh browns and texans rematch that that'll be a good one the browns won it the first time around but no cj stroud so that was uh, that'll obviously be a factor uh stroud being in there uh, i i like the i like the texans uh and i'm and I, I like the texans is another story like that's cool like they were a three-win team last year you got a new head coach the yeah. defense uh D'Amico ryan's improved that defense you got will anderson jr who's probably going to be the defensive rookie of the year and then you got cj stroud who's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year 
uh, and they're on both, you know, they're obviously on the same team and uh, Stroud's been killing it, lighting it up and, uh, and, and they look good. And at a three win team to a 10 win team, a seven win improvement. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, so I, I, I like, uh, I like the Texans. There's a, uh... Three things before I, I go to the the, the team that ex, the the game that excites me and the game that is uh, I'm nervous about. Uh, one with Cam, uh, you brought up the the Lions having to face the ex girlfriend. Well, yeah, the Rams are doing the same thing too because it's Jared right. Goff no, on the true. other side, so Very it's two ex girlfriends going up against each other. Oh man, man, that's that's not a club I want to be right. in. Right. Um, the uh, also, if I told you, let's say week three that the Dolphins and Chiefs are going to play in the playoffs. Yep. You would be. You would say yes. Yes, absolutely. If I told you it was going to be the cheapest secondary market ticket of the weekend, seriously, that's that's the way it's you like start, fifty bucks yeah, yeah. for a ticket. And for, nobody wants to go to that game right. because it's so cold. Uh, also, I did some research for any uh, anybody out there, any Swifties out there, anybody that's looking for the for Peacock this weekend. Peacock does not have a free trial. Rip. But Rip. if you get a subscription to Instacart Plus, you get a free uh free uh, account with uh with Peacock. What the weird and random. It's like with Walmart. Walmart you get Paramount Plus. If what? you get Walmart Plus. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a Walmart Plus subscription, you get Paramount Plus for free. How much is that subscription? I don't know. How much is the Instacart That's, subscription? Uh it's, it, it's 9 bucks a month. Or ten bucks a month. So what does Instacart do for me? Because that free Instacart, delivery, free delivery on, yeah. on orders of thirty five dollars yeah. or more. Yeah, yeah, they deliver your so groceries. So basically, to I you. just don't. But see, I like I've I've used as long as it's thirty five dollars or more, it is free delivery. Interesting. I don't know, man. Anyway, football is that worth <laughs> it? Uh, no, and, and then know. and so now to the games that excite me. <laughs> the game that excites me this weekend, uh, I think it's the uh, the. Honestly, it's the Browns Texans. I'm really excited about that game because of Joe Flacco. Uh, just it, it, I'm not going to say Joe Flacco excites me, but the fact that Joe Flacco and the, I know he's uh, letting it rip. It's the, pretty exciting. Uh, say the, the fact that the Joe Flacco and the Browns are at this point after the Browns went through twenty thousand quarterbacks this year, and then the Texans, you you weren't expecting to do anything. C.J. Stroud led them to this point. That's going to be a, such a fun game to watch. First game, the one I'm nervous about for a team. And I'm going to go – It, Cam, you, you mentioned uh, – you touched on it a second. You were more confident in this team. Yeah. To Listen, I'm not going to – it's not the, the Chiefs, but I am going to quote Taylor Swift. Oh. When it comes to the Cowboys, I've seen this film before, and I didn't like the <laughs> ending. The the Cowboys in the playoffs always makes me nervous, and I know it's the Packers are, are young and they you know they they got in. They're a wild card team. You're going to the, the Cowboys. Cowboys are 8-0 at home this year. But it's the Cowboys and the playoffs, and until you do it, it just makes me nervous That's for fair. them. I feel you. I, look, I don't blame you. Look, I will say this about Green Bay. Other than the obvious that Dallas is just bound to collapse at some point, <laughs> is that I thought Green Bay, when they lost to Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was going to end their season. They lost to Tampa week 15. And then Green Bay had to win three in a row to get in. I know Carolina was one of them, but they went to Minnesota and played Chicago. Right. And they won all three. They, they did what they had to do. They and corrected the some things defensively, only gave up 19 points combined in the last two games they played. And so I think that they have grown as a football team. I do think Dallas will still win. But I'm sure it will be nervous for them. I don't think Dallas will just go pipe them. I don't think they'll just go beat them 28-6 to or something like that, 35-13. to Yeah. I, I think that they will have nervous moments in that game. And, look, McCarthy's going to be a little nervous, too. I mean, that's his former team. 
And Jerry Jones in Dallas, they ask that man every week, what does he need to do to be your head coach next year? And it's just it's the same stuff over and over again. And you just never and you just never know. And if they lose, if they lose their very first playoff game, they might fire him. Oh they, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, so uh, that that is going to weigh on them. So that's that's maybe not the layup it should be because I do think Dallas is clearly better, and they are at home. Dallas did not lose at home this year, but uh, you know, again, it, it's Dallas in the postseason. You never be, yeah. I think, a hundred percent sin on them. <laughs> Um, oh, I am nervous for the Lions. That would be just a crushing way uh, so to lose in the playoffs at home I to Matthew Stafford. It. I don't want it. And I look, I know Jared Goff's playing against the Rams, but the, the big, it's far bigger for Stafford to be playing Detroit. They, you know, they traded him to Detroit, or excuse me, to Los Angeles. He got his Super Bowl. Anything else he did would be extra. And they've had a great second win this year. I mean. Coming into this year, I didn't expect I much from him. And four or five either. games into the year, I didn't expect much from him for the rest of the year. Uh, but Sean McVay has kind of reminded us that, yeah, he's still a good coach. Yeah. And Stafford's been healthy. Yes. And the team's been pretty healthy overall. And they remind us, like, okay, that's not vastly different roster. There are changes, but not vastly different than just two years ago. So some of the same core stuff is there. And, and they have played good football. That's going to be a very tough game to predict and honestly i'm almost leaning rams just from the tragedy element of it i, I would be very worried uh for the lions and then the last couple games to hit on yeah i, I uh, that dolphins chiefs game could be tough to watch from an offensive standpoint here's the one thing i'll say i'm not picking against miami because they are having playing cold weather i do think that is slightly overrated and maybe it's just because of what the team I root for, the franchise I root for, has done. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in route to their two Super Bowls, won at Philadelphia in freezing cold in 2002 and won at Green Bay in 2020. Okay, so that's a warm-weather warm Floridian team. It doesn't get much more, more warm than Tampa. And they went to Green Bay, Wisconsin. They went to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the NFC Championship games and won on the road. So I, I'm not sure that the cold for these guys is necessarily the deciding factor. Again, if Tampa can do it, others can do it. So I don't think it's about the cold for Miami. I think it's about they don't beat good football teams. They, they victimize the weak teams, and they struggle against the good teams. They beat Dallas. That was a good one. Dallas was a bad road team, right. though, this year. Right. Dallas lost some bad road games. Yeah. Um, so that's one. But then also, the second part of it is I don't trust Tua against Kansas City's defense. No. So it doesn't have anything to do with, with weather for me with Miami and, and going into that. It just has to do with this is not a good matchup for them. That is a very good KC defense. It is a Miami team that has not played well against good competition. And so, yeah, I don't think Kansas City will necessarily go up and down the field. They've really not been doing that to anyone this year. But I don't think Miami's offense will look like Miami's offense, regardless of temperature, whatever, uh, because of Kansas City's defense to his ability against better teams. Look, I'd love for Tyreek Hill to have 212 yards, three touchdowns, and show <laughs> Kansas City, what were you guys doing? But reality is they still <laughs> – they still won a Super Bowl last year. Right. They're still hosting the Tyreek Hill team this year, and I think Kansas City still went out. And then the last game hit on uh, Bucks and Eagles. Again, I understand the sentiment of how bad Philly's been. And, look, Tampa got together for about four weeks, and they were really on to something. 
But I think the problem is is that Baker Mayfield is not 100%, and he's going to – he's not going to make an excuse. He's going to go out there. He's going to take whatever painkiller they give him, and he's going to go do whatever the hell he can. I respect that. And, and, and I, I respect that out of him immensely. I do. He's earned the right to have maybe not a five- or six-year contract, but a multi-year contract to be this team's quarterback, and I, and I appreciate that. But I think that Philly just pound for pound – they're still more talented. They're still a little more physical. I think I think Tampa, if they can make Philly throw, then they're going to have a really good shot defensively. And, and Tampa's rush defense caved a little this year. It had been top five in the league for several, several years, and it regressed down to like the 10, 11 range this year. So still solid, but not their standard that they had had for about five years. So it's still in the realm of opportunity for them to box Philly in a little bit. But, again, I just think that Tampa's offense is just going to have a hard time making any sort of big play. They don't run the ball well enough to have any sort of elongated drives. And so if they're to win this game, they will have to turn Philly over. It's in play. Philly has been coughing it up a lot. But I just don't think Philly is going to, with this much recognition of what they are struggling with, I don't think that they're going to continually struggle with it to the point that they lose to Tampa. I think it would be about a seven-point game, about a one-possession game, but I think Philly will pull that out. We're going to take one final timeout here in this Friday edition of the show. We'll be back to wrap things up for a very busy week of Sports Call right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. T.P. Hammock has been running the board and taking phone calls. want to remind you about the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. It's available wherever you may get your podcasts. Of course, you can always listen to something again or something that you missed there on the Sports Call podcast. We did have some great guests this week, including a couple of Auburn coaches. We had Auburn gymnastics coach Jeff Graba on the show yesterday and on Wednesday we had Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl on the show so if you missed any of that go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Only a couple minutes left in this show so time for one last nightly TV guide of the week. Our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? There's a good variety of sports on this evening, so I'm not going to give you any 
uh, movie picks. Wow, tonight. two days in a row. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start things off the college basketball world tonight. Coming up at six o'clock on ESPN Dose. It is Dayton visiting Duquesne. Also at six o'clock on uh, ESPN U. Rice visits uh, South Florida. Some AAC action there. Later on tonight, seven thirty on FS1. DePaul visits Villanova. Uh, also eight o'clock on ESPN Two. Wright State visits Youngstown State. And then to cap things off tonight on uh, at nine thirty on FS1. Boise State visiting Nevada for some Mountain West action. People do need to pay attention to the Mountain West. They, Sorry to cut you do. off there. There's there's like it, a it could be about a four bid five bid league this year. We'll it's, see. it's impressive and it's not what's happening in Fort Collins this week either. <laughs> uh, six o'clock on Golf Net or Golf Channel. I'm sorry, I always say Golf Network. It's Golf Channel. It's okay. Primetime PGA Tour. They're in Hawaii. It's the Sony Open in Hawaii. Second round action tonight. Uh, also tonight, NBA action, 6.43 on ESPN. Sacramento Kings head east to take on the Philadelphia 76ers. Follow that up at 9.05 with the Pelicans visiting the Nuggets. Uh, and then, 9 o'clock on ESPN2, uh, it is the National Lacrosse League action as San Diego Seals take on the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. Into some, anybody into some lacrosse there? Uh, you got that. Big lax. And then uh, you've got some Auburn action tonight. Auburn Gymnastics. We mentioned that they get things started in the home portion tonight against the top 10 Kentucky. If you can't make it out to Neville Arena, 7.30 on the SEC Network is where you can watch that. And that is the final nightly TV guide presented by Wet Call Hard Seltzer for this week. Appreciate that, Brooks Childress, and appreciate for everything that you do. And uh, we'll see you again on Monday as you take over for me on the host seat. I'll be here. Cam Barry, thank you for being here. We'll see you again next week as well. Glad to be here. See you next week. And again, we also want to thank T.P. Hammock for on the board and taking phone calls today as well. Again, I will be out Monday, TBD on Tuesday. Brooks Childers will be on the host seat on Monday. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for T.P. Hammock, Cam Barry, and Brooks Childers. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a very, very good weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.